0: Testing. Woo 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 but this is gonna be fun. We're gonna be so fucking slap happy. Alright. <coughs> What's up, spooky bitches? I'm Jasmine. And I'm Jamie. And this, and this is, is Witches, Witches Get Stitches. Stitches. Intro music. Do 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 <laughs> I almost I don't know what I'm doing on my computer. I don't know what you're doing either. How what hey. announcements do we have? It like, my computer signed in. Woo! Oh my god. It wasn't in. Okay, announcements? Hmm. Announcements. Well, I'm half of a single Pringle. Half of a single. I love that phrase. Um, I don't know if anyone's figured it out, but I, I had a girlfriend and a boyfriend, and now I just have the boyfriend. I still just have a boyfriend. <laughs> I'm tired. i the same. I just worked ten and a half hours. And I worked ten. <laughs> it's busy season. People, stop buying ornaments, please. Quit making stupid fucking Christmas albums. There you take your children and pretend that Santa Claus is real and take pictures in his fucking workshop or his house with Mrs. Claus. I'm sick of it. I don't want to see it no Where he sprinkles more. the magic dust on them and does all the fun shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote on my hand how many late orders we have because I couldn't keep track. I don't even know how many we have. Well, there's four people in my department, so it's like you're gonna see it. Like, we don't have a whole lot of help, man. (laughs) We are 70 followers deep on Instagram. Or more. I don't know. 72! (laughs) Woo! We got 72... And I'm a little annoyed a bunch of people keep commenting on where I can promote, and I'm like, I don't want to promote. Uh, I am promoting. I'm posting on Instagram. That's a promotion for me. I am tweeting. Oh, you should be so proud of me. I just drank the last sip. Because I didn't I think about sucked! it. I That's crazy. <laughs> One thing about me is that I refuse to take the last sip of any drink. Whether alcoholic or non-alcoholic, it does not matter. I have a weird thing about it. I can't do it. It gives me the ick. Which I totally get. I get it. So usually I take her last drink. <laughs> mostly because I don't want drinks all over my car. <laughs> and I don't want them to spill everywhere. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Alright, now I gotta finish my drink. Chug, 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 boomy, chug, fuck, bu- uh, chug, chug. It's cold, so I can't. I'll do it. Now it's the last sip. You're not going to drink it. That's right. <laughs> just life. We also got past 70 downloads and listens. By one. By <laughs> one. We're at 71. Past, she says, by one. We got over 20 on our first episode and oh, like between 10 20 on all the others. Wow. And our top location was Ashburn, West Virginia. Because I do know now that it's West Virginia. (laughs) West Virginia. But but today, literally today, it got surpassed by Brussels, Belgium. Okay. That's our number one. We have eleven listens from Belgium. We're from America, and we have people from Belgium listening. You're gonna say that, and then they're gonna stop listening. Don't tell them we're from America. <laughs> uh, I think they figured it out by now. Our description for the show says we're from the Midwest. Shut up. And it's not Midwest Europe. It's Midwest. It could have been. I could do a European accent, but I feel like I'm gonna piss people off if I do. Don't do it. <laughs> I can do a lot of accents, but I feel like I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, and, and then with that, we have uh, seven people that are considered listeners for the podcast based on, on the analytics for the website we go through. And I'm going to keep going through this until it, everyone tells me to shut up. But I said our number one's Brussels. Our number two is Ashburn, West Virginia. So Number seven is NA. I have no idea, but it's in the U.S. <laughs> is that nebraska no it just says not available <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's so chicago has seven and waterloo has six we have six in iowa seven in illinois well, actually i think we have more than six i think we have like 10 in iowa and then with that with that we had a very certain someone aka jamie's manager <laughs> aka Marissa. Marissa. She mentioned today that she might start listening to the podcast and asked if we've talked about her. We haven't. But now if you're listening, hi, we're talking about you. talking shit. <laughs> I said absolutely nothing. I'm drinking my apple cider. Thank you. It's a virgin apple cider. <laughs> a virgin apple cider. Because I'm really like, if I, I, I'm a virgin that drinks virgin drinks, that's just it. Boy, I is get... that a fucking lie? How is your day, and how is your week going? I want to blow my brains out. <laughs> you have just made the awkwardest eye contact with me after you said that. She's like, oh, you're going to be my new mom now. Cool. She already sees me <laughs> Why she cares so much about me I don't understand I don't know I really don't get it You, know, you wanna talk about how your week has been? My week's been long and busy and I've been working That's pretty much it That's it That That's, that's all our week has been I have it's, a cold You're giving me a cold You're welcome I feel like butthole. So do I. That's it. We oh. oh, we didn't even think about what we need to talk about today. Talk about it. Monday. What happened Monday, Jamie? Oh my God. We had one of the most terrifying things happen to us on Monday. We were driving home from work on the interstate because we have an interstate that runs through our city. Yeah. Um, and we're just. Bantering back and forth. Like we're, we we're almost do. home. We're almost to the exit. Yeah. We're like one exit away and all of a sudden I'm just driving. Like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm driving. It's dark out because we are going to work in the dark and going home in the dark. Well, and I look over and I'm like, why the fuck does this guy in this silver car have his dash light on? I was, and I was about to make a joke. I was like, oh, pretty boy putting on his makeup. Nope. no, nope. Um, this man had his dash light on with a gun held to his head. And it's not like, I, my manager asked me this, it's not like someone else was holding it. He was holding it to his own head. He was, like, speaking on the phone or something or talking to himself, God knows what, with a gun held to his head. And I saw it clear as day as we were passing him, because I was intently looking, because I was like, oh, he's putting on makeup. So I was, like, looking, about to make a joke. It was a fucking gun. And I was, like, slowly passing this guy. Like, I wasn't, like, zooming past him. And all of a sudden, I don't know what's going on. I, like, I have, like, iffy night vision, so I'm, like, really focused on the fucking road in front of me. I'm not paying attention to who's next to me. And she's like, go. Speed the fuck up. She's like, get the fuck past this guy. I'm like, okay, I did it. And I'm like, what? He has a gun to his head. And I'm like, oh my fuck. Because I kind of like glanced over and saw like silhouette. I didn't see any details though. Well, I was in the passenger seat. I saw him head on. You saw fucking everything. And then all I could think of was like, if he had turned and saw that. That's why I was like, speed the fuck up. The scary shit would have been if, one, if he decided to, that causes an accident. Two, if he's like, oh, you're looking. I'll turn the gun on you. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. Even still, the bullet could have gone out the window and hit one of us. Yeah, or either way, if we're right next to him and he fucking slams in. Uh Uh-huh. That's just, it's not good. You, no, no way. There's no way that that's good. So I made my first real 911 call on Monday night. <laughs> yeah, we, we called it in and he had a sticker on the side of his car. A very identifiable and, sticker. Yeah, very identifiable car. I'm going to look at the news at some point this week and see if there anything happened they, in the news. They did send out police, the squad cars out to check on the situation. Um, never got an update, I don't, I mean, I don't think nine one one gives updates, so. Not really, (laughs) they don't really give updates. That's why I want to look at the new, I haven't looked, I haven't looked yet, because we've been working every fucking day, till late at fucking night, it's like past 7 o'clock right now. But yeah. But, that (laughs) was absolutely terrifying, and that threw me, like, I personally have really, really bad nighttime paranoia from, like, my life and my childhood. Some great things have happened in the dark. And so, I literally I saw eyeballs out my second story window um, that weren't there. They weren't eyeballs. Um, it was probably a reflection from my room. I'm thinking. And then my Google after after my boyfriend got home, my Google went off and scared the mother loving fucking shit out of me. And I scared the shit out of him too. Like I should I fucking freaked out and he did it and like grabs me <laughs> because. I was freaking out. And then I just, he, he's sitting there because he freaked out too. So he's like, are you laughing or are you crying? And I am full on sobbing. <laughs> I am fucking done for. Like full blown panic attack. Oh my fuck, I'm going to die. And then today I had another panic attack at work. But this is, I like, my body likes to have the panic attacks where it's not like, oh, I'm like a sobbing mess. It's just my body is trying to shut down. And I have to work through it. So that happened for like two and a half, three hours today, where my veins blew out of my skin. And they still kind of are. Yeah. And my face went numb. My arms were really tingly and numb. And uh, it's like stroke plus heart attack-like symptoms, but it's a panic attack. It's great. That's how our week's been. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I may be doing a psychiatry appointment soon. Or just general health, maybe. I don't know. (sighs) (sighs) Well, should we get into it? No. No? You don't want to talk about Jackie Boy? I do, but we can't get to the meat and potatoes yet. We haven't talked about our projects. Oh, the projects. And all I have in my notes is, (laughs) ha 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 ha. I haven't done anything. I haven't done shit. I I have all the pieces of the last project I was working on right in front of me because no way in hell have I fucking finished anything with work and just life in general research for the podcast. See, I I take some time for you guys, even though I never have my notes finished, like today. She did that. I actually do have my notes finished. Yeah, she has her notes. I don't. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) And I'm working on... Christmas stuff still. Which, that's, that I opted out of doing some crochet stuff and buying it instead. So I, I actually, had less work. I have one less thing I have to do, because I forgot that I planned on... He's not going to watch this by Christmas, so... My brother, I found after my... After our uncle passed early this year, I found a five-piece Rick and Morty canvas Ooh. that I'm going to have mounted and put on frames for Christmas for him that I found in his room that my brother doesn't know about. Nice. And he, like, ever since my uncle passed, has been fucking obsessed with Rick and Morty because he was. Yeah. So he's into all the shit that my uncle was into. Um. So I'm getting that framed, and I completely forgot. So now I don't have to make him a beanie. Woo-woo. Beanie's <laughs> are a lot of work. They are a lot of work. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I was going to make my brother one, but then I found an old Pokemon crochet uh, project that I made that was finished. I was like, fuck it, this is what he's getting. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie okay. boy. Now we can get into the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes. I fucking love that phrase so much. <laughs> I'm so happy. That's, like, our phrase now, is meat and potatoes. So, we are doing Jack the Ripper. Mr. Jackie boy! Um. The, uh, the unknown name. So, it Jack is, like, John Smith. We, we don't know who it was. Uh, this, this topic, actually, Mr. Jack, is gonna end up being three episodes, which they're probably gonna be longer, because I'm, again, not even done with my notes, again, and I'm at over seven pages of notes for two and a half victims. <laughs> she goes too much in the thing. Well, three and a half. You know, it is two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, I go- you say I go too far, but it's gonna be fucking interesting, okay? No, I just- I just do really basic research, so. I don't- you're Ash and I'm Elena, that's just how this works. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's just how it works. Yes. Uh, so, today what we'll get through- we have, like, different sections planned out for the different episodes- Episodes one is going to be an overview of Whitechapel London in the eighteen eighties, uh, as a whole, as well as the east and south side, which is where most of these, um most of these the murders take place. Um then we're also gonna go through the what is called the canonical five, which are the five confirmed victims of the serial killer, who is not known. Um and next week, we'll go through all of the possible victims. We don't... It, and we'll talk about whether we think they are a victim or not, whether it matches the MO or if it's like... Oh, oh. <laughs> if it's a copycat or maybe... There were a lot of gangs at the time, too, if a gang did it. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of speculation. And then we're also going to go through the timeline of how everything happened, And also, that will tie into our previous episodes of H.H. Holmes proving that he didn't do it. (laughs) Proving he didn't do it. And then why the fuck is Jack the Ripper famous? Which Jamie kind of found out this week. Yes, I did. (laughs) Uh, She had no idea any of the details of Jack the Ripper. And all of a sudden I get screenshots. And what the fuck? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just read, um, an interview of what one of the inspectors who was on the scene of his last victim describing his last, which I will read later, word for word, because it's just too interesting not to, um, and we will put a trigger warning on that because it is... Oh, there's a trigger warning for this whole episode. There will be talks of mutilation, body mutilation, torture, um... Dismemberment, disembowelment, um disfiguration. Disfiguration talks of rape. Um, there are so many things involved in this. Uh fuck, there's even trigger warning for like adultery and stuff like that. Alcoholism. Alcoholism um, for sure. Uh every single one of his victims. Is I know not alcoholic. I know. Uh <laughs> pretty much everyone as far as I know. Um, there there is a lot going on. There's a lot of like very low class Down-on-their-luck people that really just are in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep, and he took advantage of that. Oh, yeah. Huge fucking advantage, man. Yes. And then... So, we'll talk more about what she's learned, because she did not realize how... Why Jack the Ripper is so notorious. No. No idea. She had absolutely no clue. So I suggest this, and she doesn't know anything. And no, now this she is all knows. new. And I only know about a little bit. So. Yeah, you only know about one. You don't know about the rest. No. Um. And then we'll take a little break and do Krampus because no one wanted to fucking vote on Instagram. Yeah, you're all fired. Yeah, you motherfuckers. No one voted on Instagram, so we decided on Krampus because Jamie wants to do Krampus. So I we're gonna do Krampus. Krampus. And then we're gonna come back to Jack for our part three finale for Mr. Jackie Boy, um, and we're gonna go through all of the possible suspects and if we believe who who we think is the killer. And I only have six names down so far. There's like fifteen. Yeah. So we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, our next month, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you guys gonna be hearing about. It's gonna be great! Yeah. Oh, and again, another announcement, before we get into the meat and potatoes, um, since we actually have, like, active listeners, and we got our spooky bitches, um, if you guys want to, or if anyone wants to finally be active on Instagram or Twitter, yeah, I'm fucking salty about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, let us know if you want us to start a Patreon, Facebook page, like, we haven't, we haven't started a Facebook page yet, but we can, and I have Patreon set up, I just haven't posted it, published it, posted anything to it, um, but it's an option, um, yeah, yes. yeah, now, so, um... Yeah, Jamie's gonna start first today. I'm gonna start first today. um, And she actually knows what's going on today. So, I'm gonna be talking about the White Chapel in the 1880s today. uh, Specifically, White Chapel. The White Chapel. The White Chapel. The White Chapel, Chapel, London. (laughs) In the 1880s, (laughs) specifically. Basically, I want to start off by saying what I'm going to be describing is, like, the east side, the bad side, the slum of Whitechapel. Yep. Now, I want to start out by saying, like, not all of Whitechapel was like this, what I'm going to describe. Um, some of it was, like, there were hard workers, there were people who didn't get into crime, and there were people who weren't addicted to drugs and alcohol. There were good people in the city, well, it also doesn't mean to say that those people that were addicted or had issues or were bad, bad people. people. They just... It's the 1880s. They had a rough to, rough go of it. Um, and uh, the streets were built, like, fucking lab, Like, it was like a, a, a maze. A labyrinth. Yeah. It really was. Actually, uh, if you go over to our Instagram, I posted a picture of a map of the city, of part of the city, where a few of the victims were found. Um, and you could really see how intricate every one of those roads were. The amount of little alleyways and tiny little dark crevices and, like, creepy... Places where creepy-crawly things and creepy-crawly people go. Yeah. So, basically, I'm gonna start off by setting the scene. Um. Let's do it. So, Whitechapel in the 1880s, um, there were gas-lamp-lit streets, um, dark, damp alleyways, um... Children in the 1880s, around this time in London, were considered a burden on their parents' resources, and many died... because well, also, a lot Before the age of five. Yeah. A lot of people also had way too many kids. Oh, well, yeah. Way Two out of ten many. children died before the age of five in London at oh, this time. Yeah. Um, basically, it was not a happy place to plea... To, to plea? Mm-hmm. Not a happy... To pee? To be? To plea? Yes. To flee. So... London was not a happy pace, place to be at this time. Um, to start, for starters, there was prostitution, violence, violent crimes, poverty, murder, and barely livable housing conditions. Yep. Um, finding work was nearly impossible, especially if you were a female. I'm like, we are actively talking about a topic, No. I didn't change one of your songs. Never. Yeah, I did. <laughs> he, but he doesn't listen to this podcast, so he'll never know. <laughs> His bitch ass. Hey. Babe, Nico, you ever start listening to this? Fuck you. Fuck you. We're on episode five. You still haven't listened. Bitch. Motherfucker. <laughs> so basically... between in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> basically, the streets were filthy. Um, people would dump... <laughs> garbage, They people let their horses shit in the street. There were... I don't even know how to describe it. It was disgusting. Um, it's what you would imagine. People throwing their fucking like, chamber pots, shitting out the window. Those of you who know, know. Jasmine, you are not one of those people. But if you think of Sweeney Todd, London... Where that is set up and <laughs> Jasmine has never seen Sweeney Todd, by the she's way. She's so mad that I've never seen Sweeney Todd. I am pissed. Todd. Because so she's mad. like, I love Johnny Depp. And I'm like, no. You can't love Johnny Depp without seeing Sweeney okay, Todd. Or Johnny... Crybaby. She hasn't seen... What? I'm pretty sure. Pirates of the Caribbean is not. It's a Disney movie. Sweeney Todd. Oh, well, I haven't. didn't know that was Tim Burton. <laughs> I've seen other of his Tim Burton movies. Because, oh my god, he put Johnny Depp as the main character in majority of his movies. Another Sweeney Todd reference um, that I'm going to make is they there was no fresh food, and all I can think about is Mrs. Lovett's pies. Um, I have heard about that. I've never seen Sweeney Todd, but I've heard about it. I'm literally going to have to play you the song after this, because it's like, ugh, it's just literally about a song, it's called The Worst Pies in London. Okay, but now we got to listen to the so um, I can I give oh, you a wait, little wait, bit. Oh wait wait wait. Okay, so for those people, we're gonna cut that last part out. We just listened. She made me listen to the worst pies in London. The Sweeney part of Sweeney Todd. I will say, I fucking love Helena Bonham Carter. Me too. Oh She's my god. She's so great. She's gorgeous. And a bunch of I I've noticed that people give her crap for being with Tim Burton because like they liked his first wife a lot. And I'm like I fucking love Helena. I, I love, love her in Harry fit Potter. Oh so well. I love her in Sweeney Todd. I'm sorry. I love her as an actress. She's, She's amazing. She's in so many things. She's even like super quirky in what is it? Ocean's Eight. I think I've seen it. It's by the camera. female one. She's really fucking quirky in that. And I just I fucking love her. I also love Tim Burton and all that. And like this. Speaking of, they just came out with Wednesday that dropped like a week or so ago. We're still we're and on we're on episode three. three. We're starting episode four. Are you sure? Yeah, we watched. Oh two yeah, episodes we did day watch day. two episodes. We're on episode four. And honestly. Tim Burton always crushes it. I don't care what people want to say. I like it. <laughs> so good. But, yeah, no fresh food. Like, Mrs. Lovett's pies. Uh, that's all I can think about when I um, And then, basically, the air smelled like sewage all the time. Well, you gotta think. People are throwing their chamber pots out the window. They're just shitting all the street. Yeah, like, people are just leaving this. A lot of, of people are living on the street, animals too. Animals dying on the street. People dying on the street. It probably took them days to clean that up. Like, it's like the same thing in Chicago at yeah. the same time. Yeah, it's nasty. So, um, like I was saying, finding work was almost impossible, especially if you're a female. Um, it was much harder. Uh, the lack of work led to increased po- prostitution, um, which was at high demand at the time because it, it it brought about an escape from reality. Because no one wanted to be alive at the time, rightfully so. Fuck, no one wants to be alive now. Hell, women were referred to That's as one. the unfortunates. They are the time. unfortunates. Yeah, and children,
1: children yes. and women
0: were the unfortunates. Women, women, well, man, women, women. Gotcha. Basically, all women, women were. A lot of women who didn't have husbands or work at the time were prostitutes. Yep. And um, basically what they had to themselves were the clothes on their backs, what was in their pockets, and money to spend on a bed to sleep at night. Um, or alcohol. Yes. A lot of them spent money on alcohol. A lot of them got men to buy them drinks too. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> with the lack of contrast Contraception is that how you say it? Contraceptives, contraception. Contraception. Yeah. Um, it led to unorthodox abortions at the time. Dirty facilities in back, even in back streets, these abortions would happen. Um, just like the sex, you fuck, you could see someone having sex walk down the street, see someone having an abortion. Or Wait. fuck having a child, even. Like, well, and you can't. You can just imagine the STDs and everything. Oh, these going around. Things. Um, women would die from just infections or ingesting chemicals or poisons because of these unorthodox abortions. Or from where they work. Be, that too. From where they work, whatever. Um, inside, inside homes, inside workplaces, that sort of thing was no less dirty than on the streets at the time, um... They Basically, housing was reminiscent of what you would think of as slum. Yeah. The slums. Um, it was overcrowded. Basically, homes were makeshift brothels. Um, there were entire families or groups of strangers living in one room, cooking, eating, sleeping. Well, that's also... That's where lodging houses and workhouses come in. Yes. All, because, all in uh, one room. All yeah, one. because there were a lot of workhouses that had up to 300 people, and it was like... Like, there could be five people to a room, and they're doing that. Five random-ass people. Every night, it could be different people. <laughs> with how dirty the outside was, you can just imagine how nasty the insides were. And it was also damp everywhere. I mean, it Everything was fucking London. Moist, moist. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, with that, the diseases just spread. And doctors at the time were not cheap, if there were even any around that you could get to The work most or. you're gonna find is like a mortician. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, houses were flea infested, insect infested, they were just nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking disgusting. So, now I'm gonna talk about like, the availability of work that there was, which is very, very limited. Non-existent. Um, basically what I found, it was, uh, work at the time was called sweated labor. Basically, really hard, grueling work for Because everyone's gonna sweat. Very little pay. Um, there was tailoring, boot making, um, matchbox making, which was what they carried their little cigarettes in at the time. Or matches. matches, Um, which I didn't know I thought was cool. Quit playing with fire. Um, (laughs) there was little job security, small, cramped, dusty. There was no natural lighting in these workplaces. Um, a large portion of the population tend to turn to drugs or alcohol to cope with these conditions and also very little pay um pubs and music halls were very high in number especially on the east end and they also provided very cheap drink and viable means for escapism turning page asmr as i light my fake nails on fire yes (laughs) that's basically the little amount of work that there was not a not a variety, not nothing. So, prostitution was big because that's how women can you make money. You take what you can get. You take what you can get, and that is what they could get at the time. Now, there's not to say that there wasn't hardworking people and law-abiding citizens, but that was just the time of the times. Um, so, crime and punishment. Crime rates were at a very high, high um, uh, they were basically unmanageable at, by the police force in the 1888, 1888, 1880s, 1880s. 1880s. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of, like, the first crime take, a few of the crimes, or most of them take place in 1888, but we're talking about the 80s as a whole. Yeah. So, crime was basically unmanageable by the police force in the 1880s. Um, street theft was very common. There was alcohol-related violence. Gang crime. A lot of drunk and disorderly. Protection rackets. um, I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't either. (laughs) I should have looked it up. I didn't. (laughs) Uh, And women were left very vulnerable considering they worked on the streets. They were easy targets for assault, rape, and even murder. As we'll see. As we'll see. Um, And to preface, all of Jackie Boy's victims were addicted to alcohol, um, which they were made to believe. That was a, they they were easier targets for him. Oh, yeah. Especially once we really get into it, you will see. Honestly, sadly enough, they really were easy targets. They were way too easy. Yeah. Uh, police departments had no structure. Crimes were mislabeled. Evidence was going missing and tampered with. Um, bodies were being tampered with. Bodies. And, I mean, as we'll see, violent criminals, violent killers were left to roam the streets because... They couldn't do their jobs. They weren't doing their jobs. There was no structure. Um, some parts of Whitechapel, uh, the police were even afraid to go into because they were just a hot spot for crime. Oh yeah. Because um, they didn't want to die either. Yeah. So with that setting the scene, um, let's get into Jackie get in, Boys. Get into his victims. Reign of get Terror. In, get into our canonical five. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's my turn. No, this is really the meat and fucking potatoes. Just fucking wait, man. She has... Our first victim has four pages all on her own. Oh, lordy. She has four pages to herself out of the seven that I have. Alright. So, we are going to start with Mary Ann Nichols, also known as Polly. I have no idea why she was called Polly. But that's what she went by to her friends and family. Um... We also have two Marys in this story uh, out of our five. I will cover the next Mary when cover we get to our last. We have a Mary at the beginning and Mary at the end. We have two Marys. And I will be reading the quote from the police officer at the Oh, time. I have a lot of quotes. Just oh, fucking sweet. wait. Also, speaking of, we got a lot of our information from one website. I used two different sites for my uh, research. I used jacktheripper.org and the thecasebook.org for jack the ripper um and i used one of the same ones that jack the org did and then i used jack the ripper tour.com uh blog and like what it was really like to live in Whitechapel, london in 1888 yep sounds about right that's what i used um and i also watched some of the youtube videos on jack the ripper.org for mary's i did not watch youtube videos i just read i it watched like half of it and then fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> you sounded so excited to watch it too i was but asleep. i was really fucking tired too well i get it we're working long ass days. Good. but where where were we okay marianne nichols um she was born marianne walter to edward and caroline walter um on august 26 1845 and here we do have a lot of addresses The amount of addresses that I have, fucking insane. So she was born at Dawes Court off of Shoe Lane in London. I have no idea where that is, but if you're from London, hi, you may know where that is. Uh, (laughs) First victim was born there. And she was the second of three kids. Um,
1: She's a middle
0: child, like me. Yeah, she is a middle child. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about her childhood, other than, a, like, a couple little mini details. We know that she has a small scar on her forehead uh, from an injury, and she had a little teenage romance going on Ooh. with a boy named Thomas Stuart Drew that ended in 1863. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> I had a typo in my notes. <laughs> and after this, after uh, her little... I wanna after her little uh romance teen uh, high school bullshit uh she met william nichols if you heard the last name obviously they got married Mm. january 16th 1864 (laughs) and another address in the church of saint brides on fleet street fleet street where they're actually if you you go to london and you go to fleet street there's a plaque of their union um which is a little weird, coming to find out that they get divorced. Oh. Um, but there's a plaque of their union. <laughs> uh, and she was 18 when they got married. I don't think he was much older, but I didn't look up so the details. So that's pretty typical, 18-year-old being... Yeah. Being,
1: Just, like, younger. thinking
0: about timeline-wise, though, too, because a lot of these women, when they were murdered, were about 45. Um, and once they got married, they end up, ended up living on Bovary Street, which is right off of Fleet Street, where they got married, So this is very close. She hasn't moved very far. Mm -hmm. Um, And they didn't live there very long as they ended up moving either close to or in with her father um, in Walworth, London, which is down by the river, as I saw. And over the next decade or so, um, I think it's a little more than a decade, they had five children. Ew. (laughs) Edward John in 1866- Percy George in 1868. Percy George. (laughs) That's a hell of a name. Alice Esther in 1870. These poor children. Elizabeth Sarah in 1877. Let me give you two first names. All of you. Yeah, every single one. Henry Alfred in 1879. (laughs) All of the two names. All of them have two names. Literally every victim, their child. That's or two my names. boyfriend, I Daniel. <laughs> uh, Mine's Jasmine Marie. Ma, don't mind me. I'm also breaking off my nails as we talk because they're annoying at work. <laughs> and before Elizabeth was born, so before the last two children, in about in 1875, uh, they ended up finally moving out on their own, away from her father. Uh, into block D of the Peabody buildings in the South Park district of South London. So a Forty-two. lot of south, 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 south. 42 Wallaby, That's all I can think about. I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? 42 Peasham, Wallaby, Sydney. Fucking Nemo making her way in. All <laughs> because of Peabody. Um. <laughs> um yeah a lot of souths we got some sherman wallaby way sydney here we got (laughs) they ended up paying five shillings a week and nine pence five shillings and nine pence a week which like shillings was like less than a dollar so a pound was a dollar like an equivalent quote-unquote to our dollar um so then shillings was like the tens i would guess and the pence is like pennies um Most of the entire estate, because these were like apartment buildings, most of it still stands today, but Block D, where uh, Mary lived, uh, was demolished in the 1970s so that they could build a children's park, which is what it was called. So, like a playground. It's a playground. (laughs) It's actually meant for kids. It's not an adult playground. Sorry, guys. Lame. (laughs) Now, you'd think the fact that they had like five, six kids, that... Uh, Polly and William's marriage was, like, great. Top tier. No. It wasn't. (laughs) Uh, but at some point during their marriage, um, at, near the end, uh, and about a little bit after they had Henry, or around the time they had Henry, uh, William decided to have an affair with the woman that helped birth Henry. So their, Basically their midwife. That's the word. He had an affair with their midwife. What the fuck? Mom? Yeah. No, and it got so bad that at this time it was also reported that Polly started drinking, f- extremely heavily. That's how she got away from it. She drank. No surprise. What are we doing right now? <laughs> this is side of the times. <laughs> um. And so. And <laughs> word vomit. Goddamn. So, Polly began drinking extremely heavily, and Edward, Polly's father, mentioned that, um, William even left her to go live with this woman for a time while they were still married. Ew. So, no wonder their marital problems became- went to shit. No wonder their marriage ended. (laughs) Yeah. So, William, once they decided to separate, um- in September of 1880, William decided to blame it on Polly's drinking. Uh-huh, of course. Typical Not man. the fact that he had an affair. Typical man. Which is when she started drinking. Uh-huh. And then after this, Polly was like, fuck it, I'm done. She left. She moved out and left all you five- You go, girl. Left all five of her children behind. You go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you would say that. Well, honestly, with the times, I understand her being like- How is she going to provide for five fucking children as a well, single- she wouldn't provide. She's a housewife. Exactly. She wouldn't provide anyways. So, she ended up leaving her kids behind and took her eldest, Edward John, to stay with his grandfather, who he stayed with for until he moved out on his own. Okay. He never went back to his father or his mother. Uh, her, His mom- Polly never really saw her kids again. Which is sad, because also you'll see, like, it's partially William's fault. Did they never really, she never really saw her kids again? Um, and after the divorce, you'll learn that, you'll see that over time, like, in the 80s, like, around this time, marriage, if you get a divorce, the husband still has to pay for your shit. Yeah. Uh, because women can't really work anyways, as is, um, and they, they're just not gonna make that much. Yeah. So... William was obligated to pay five shillings a week to Polly. And she was homeless for a time and ended up finding herself at Lambeth Workhouse at Elephant and Castle in South London. That's, oh. the, the, like, the street names. Elephant and Castle. I mean, most <laughs> of the street names were changed nowadays. Well, a with, lot of them have been changed. Which maps yeah. you can see where, like certain things took place. Yes, there are a lot of old, like, maps of uh, mapping out where everything was. There's actually, I've played this, a board game, Mm -hmm. and, like, an RPG kind of game, where you, one of your party is the murderer. One of you, and, like, different ones are investigators and different people that were a part of these murders, and, like, investigating the judges, the morticians, all this shit, and you have to try to chase them through this labyrinth of a city oh my god like it has the map on the board and you have to chase them through and find them and here's the thing though you don't know who the killer is in your group so you have to try to figure out who's lying because one of them's pretending to be someone else and they're not and they're gonna try to lead you away so you don't know what's happening so you keep trying to lead people away and they're still killing While you're doing this, and it's so fucking cool. But yes, there's even games of looking through all this shit. It's fucking, it's amazing. So, and this is where we get into workhouses. Workhouses were basically wormhouses. Wormhouses, yeah. Apparently, I typoed it, and then or she typoed it, or we both typoed it. You did first. And so they're wormhouses now, uh, which honestly they kind of fit. This is where you would get lodging, and you would have issued uniforms and clothing. Uh, in trade for work. you. This is where the matchboxes and all these were made. It's like a sweatshop. Um, if you've ever heard of a sweatshop, this that's just where it happened. Um, and it was mostly for women because women at the time couldn't get a job anywhere else really. They couldn't have a quote unquote sophisticated job. Yeah. Most of them were uneducated. Um, you'll find a lot of them had missing teeth. <laughs> Even some of our victims had missing teeth. and so she worked at this workhouse until May 31st in 1881 which at this time she decided to leave and live with a man that we don't know who it was it's kind of insinuated that he was like an 1880s pimp (laughs) even though pimps weren't a thing back then technically Um, and even though they were divorced William had seen that she was living with another man and said that she was immoral basically calling her like a sex worker a prostitute fucking man and used this as an excuse to stop paying her allowance he stopped paying her and so then she decided to go to the authority authorities authority <laughs> i just scratched my nose <laughs> with my broken nail <laughs> authority <laughs> authorities um and appeal the the halt in income but she ended up losing the argument with William saying he's stuck with the kids and she's with another man. Why can't this guy pay for her? Uh, Like she's property. So after this, Polly and William never really saw each other again. The last time they ever saw each other was three years before she died. Alright. So it really was the end for them. Alright, in April 1882, she decided she was over this mysterious man that I don't have the name of um, and ended up. No, it was not Josh Bennett. And ended up back Joseph, at... Joseph. Sorry, Joseph. Not <laughs> Josh. It's Joseph. I don't even know where that's from anyway. It's from the last victim. Oh. <laughs> um, she ended up back at Lambeth. She goes back to Lambeth a lot. And, until March 24th of 1883. When she decides to move back in with her dad. So she does see her son for a little bit. What's wanna... up, daddy yeah, what's up, Eddie? Ah! Edward? It's my boyfriend's name. Eddie. As long as you're not a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> this is what skin of a killer looks like, Bella. <laughs> <laughs> now you gotta get Eddie to say that. Now. Oh my <laughs> god, I do. <laughs> but with his fucking accent, it's gonna be so stupid. It's gonna be, that's the point. <laughs> That is the point. I don't think he would, Okay. I'm gonna try. Okay. According to Edward, um, Polly, like, William made a lot of claims that she was promiscuous, a.k.a. a slut. That's a bad idea. Uh, (laughs) A slut or a a sex worker. Um, so, but Edward's like, she wasn't, she was, he was more worried about the fact that she drank all the time, not, she wasn't very promiscuous. She was pretty... She was a normal lady. She just had a drinking problem. Yeah. Um, which ended up leading her back at Lambeth very soon after on May 22nd of 1882. Um, now we're going to skip like a whole year, uh, to June 1883, where, guess who we come back to? Hmm. Our little teenage romance. Oh. Thomas Stewart Drew, who by 1883 was a widow, um... And she ended up moving in with him at his, uh, Smithy, he was a blacksmith, at 15 York Street, Walworth, in South London, um, and Polly ended up kind of ruining, ruining this because, uh, at least there's reports that she sold off some of his goods so that she could get alcohol, um, so she ended up back on the streets, ending up at more than just Lambeth Workhouse, she ended up at a lot of different workhouses. Um oh. and then October eighteen eighty seven, so a whole nother like three, four years later. Um, now she is one of the hundreds of homeless people living in Trafalgar Trafalgar? Trafalgar Square. Um, and she was among those arrested um in the square on October twenty third. And it was it was At least it's believed that she was, and if so, they weren't very nice about her, uh, in the papers, because, uh, she was reported as being one of the women, uh, discharged from, like, jail, but the news described her as very disorderly, and the worst woman in the square. Well then. Like, wow, you really gotta diss our lady like that Yeah. Mary. Yeah. And then we skip like another year or half a year or so to May 1888. Um, While at what? 1888. I know. We're at 1888. (laughs) While at Lambeth Workhouse, she found work as a domestic servant in the house of Samuel and Sarah Cowdery at Rose Hill Road in Wandsworth? Wandsworth? Wandsworth. (laughs) <laughs> or Wayne's worth. Pretty sure that's it. I think so too. <laughs> and she started working for them May 12th, where she sent her father a letter, where she sent one, her final letter to her father. This is the last time she will ever talk to her father. And she, we don't even know if she really saw his response.
1: Oh.
0: Um, and I do have this letter. I have, um... It's, like, the layout and everything. Oh. Um, so, mind you, it's been two years since they've seen each other. And it says, I just write you to say you'll be glad to know that I'm settled in my new place and going on all right up to now. My people went out yesterday and have not returned, so I'm left in charge. It is a grand place inside with trees and gardens back in front. All has been newly done up. They are Tita Tallers. Tita I have no idea what the fuck that means. I didn't even look that up. And religious, so I ought to get on. They are very nice people, and I have not much to do. I hope you're all right, and the boy has work. So goodbye for the present. From yours truly, Polly. Answer soon, please, and let me know how you are. Which sounds cute. Yeah, sounds sweet. That sounds nice. She's finally in a place where she can send letters and receive ones back. Um, and Edward did respond, but he never heard a response. He did hear from Miss Cowdery, though, on July 12th, um, like, a month, not even a month after she moved there, uh, uh, that Polly stole clothes, um, and ran off with them, worth three pounds and ten shillings, which, like, nowadays, it's, like, I'd say in American dollars, like, five bucks. But back in the 80s, 1880s, three pounds. Oh my fuck. Yeah. You'll go to jail forever for that shit. Um, so that's all I heard about that, though. And then by the beginning of August 1888, she found herself in East London, in in the East End. Oh. We're in the East End now. Lovely. Where she moved into Wilmot's. Um, which is a female common house at 18 Thrall Street in Spitafields, um, where she only went as Polly. No one else knew her real name, really. Uh, at least in the East End, no one else knew her real name. Um, she had three other women assigned to her room at Wilmits, um, and they all got along pretty well. Disruptions. Um, later on, after uh, the course of events, uh, one of her roommates named Emily Holland was quoted saying that Polly was a very clean women, woman and looked as if she was melancholy, so like depression, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and gave the impression of being weighed down by some trouble. Which okay. I'm like, she's divorced doesn't know anything about her kids, hasn't seen her dad in how long? Can't work a real fucking job. Drinks all the time. Lives in the East End shambles, in shambles. Lives in shambles basically. Yeah. I'd be depressed too, bitch. The same. Like who the fuck isn't depressed at that point? I'm still depressed and but she did say she didn't see her as a fast woman. AKA didn't see her as like someone who's going to go out and like get money for sex. Okay. Which you'll see is a little wrong. Like, she does it to get by. Like, she's definitely a woman that, like, she doesn't, like, flaunt the fact that she goes out and gets money to have sex. She, she does what she can to she live. She does what she has to do to get her next drink and to have somewhere to sleep. Yeah, That's just it. Like most women at the yeah. time. And now, we are at August 24th of 1888, where Polly moved for the last time. She went to a mixed gender lodging called the White House at 56 Flower and Dean Street in Spitalfields. And this is where she spent her last birthday. Her birthday oh. was August 26th, and that was her last one. Um, and now we're going to end up going through the course of events of her last hours and her last day. Um, all of it happens in the matter of an hour and a half. Oh, Wow. And I think it goes between 9, the course of events I'm going to go through is like 9pm to 4am. Um, she's found at 3.30am, like it's very fast and you'll see it, there's so many details in such a short span of time. Um, so on the afternoon of August 30th, there was a ridiculous thunderstorm that lasted like all night. All over the East End, um, and it flooded a bunch of homes, leaving a lot of people homeless. Because I would assume there aren't a lot of basements. No. And also, um, like, a lot of people only live on one floor. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't have a home. A lot of people just lived in one room. Yeah, not even a house (laughs) or an apartment. A room, like, not even a studio apartment. No, just, just like a broom closet. Yeah. With three other people in it. Yeah. (laughs) and then even worse shit happened at 9 p.m. a giant fucking fire broke out at a spirits warehouse on the docks of the east end oh wow and that wasn't extinguished until midnight when the firefighters had to turn around and go to another fire that had started uh along the docks somewhere and during this time fires even nowadays fires everyone's gonna go look at the fire Mm -hmm. everyone's gonna watch so one of those people was emily holland watching those fires on the east end and at that time polly was at the frying pan pub which honestly sounds fucking amazing i want to go to a frying pan pub (laughs) god damn having a drink what else would she be doing on a what i think was a monday night who like you're gonna have drink what else are you gonna do so then she decided to go from the pub to the junction or intersection of thrall street and brick lane Um, where she was going to go to Wilmot's. But she didn't have the four pence required to get in. Okay. And it doesn't matter how long you've been staying there. If you don't have the money, you're not getting in. Okay. That's just it. These workhouses, these lodging houses, it's first come, first serve every night. Doesn't matter if you've been sleeping there for months. You don't have the money, you're not coming in. That's just it like there there is no favoritism it's it's all about money
1: mm-hmm. even
0: though it's really just people that need a place to stay um and she ended up having to leave so she also like the women that saw her there saw her with a bonnet on that they've never seen before and it looked new um So they were a little confused because she doesn't have new things. Mm -hmm. Actually, a lot of her clothing, uh, still had, like, the tags and the stamps from the Lambeth lot, the workhouse, because that's all she had. Right. It's all she ever wore. Um, and as she was leaving, she had told the deputy, I'll soon get my DOS money. Apparently that's what they called it, DOS, just D-O-S-S money, um... See what a jolly bonnet I've got now. So I think the bonnet was a way to look, like, attractive and, like, men are going to want me. So they're going to pay me. So I'm going to be able to sleep in an actual bed and not on the street. So about 2 a.m., the fires that were happening on the docks are finally stopping. They're coming to an end. Um, and Emily's making her way back to Mil- to Wilmits. Um, and at about 2.30 a.m., she's on Osborne Street where she ended up running into a staggering Polly. She is drunk off her ass. <laughs> okay. um, which, at this time, Polly told Emily that she made her lodging money threefold, but spent it on alcohol. <laughs> um, so Emily was like, I will pay for your stay. I don't want you out on the streets. And Polly was like, no. She's like, I'll be back soon and I'll have the money. So she's going to go out and do some more work and then come back and pay for her night. So then she takes off along Whitechapel Road, making her way down to Bucks Row, um, which is not a great part of town. Bucks Row is really where, like, cops don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. They don't like it. They don't. they'd, They'd avoid it if they can. It's called Bucks Row for a reason. Um so now we go to, so we were that was about 2:30. Now we're at 3:30 a.m on August 31st. The next day. Well, not the next day. It's the same day as 2:30 and 330. It's August 31st. It's an Scott. hour later. <laughs> an hour later. Not a day in an hour. Charles Cross is making his way to work. He's going to pick Pickfords near Liverpool. And on his way, he's going past the 1876 boarding school, board school, not boarding school, uh, which takes up a lot of Buck's Row, like most of the street. Um, and he ends up noticing across the street as he's walking, there's a bundle of things on the ground, Mm. and it looks like a piece of tarpaulin, which apparently is useful to whatever job he has. So he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go check it out, see if I can take this to work with me," which might get him some extra money or. I don't know, brownie something. Poids. Yeah, Brownie points. Give him something. Little did he know that was not tarpauline. It was Polly. Oh. Um, and as someone else walked by, one of his other buddies walking to work, Charles didn't want to investigate alone, so he called him over. And he's like, hey, let's go look at this thing. So they come up and they look and they notice that there's a woman lying on her back. With her legs straight out and her skirt is raised almost all the way up her waist onto her torso. Um, Cross touched her and could tell that her face was warm, but her hands weren't. um, And came to the conclusion that if she was alive, she was just barely alive. But the men did not want to be late to work. So they put her skirts down to protect her modesty and left. Wow. And agreed that they would tell the first cop they saw. Such a gentleman. Such a gentleman. They pulled their skirts down. Oh,
1: wow.
0: All of them. <laughs> Cover that modesty. You want to know what they didn't see? You want to know what they didn't see? I have a feeling I know. Her throat was cut. Yeah. She was dead. Yeah. But it wasn't just cut. She was almost decapitated. Wow. But they didn't notice with how dark it is in in Bucks Alley at 3.30 a.m. They saw, they just saw her legs and part of her body and they felt her face. Didn't care to look in between. (laughs) In between. uh, Where uh, there was a giant gap where her head was almost gone. Um, And so they left and later on police constable John Neal was making his way past the board school. Where he was the first one to notice that Polly was not alive. Um, And later it is quoted that he said, "'There was not a soul about. "'I had been around there half an hour previously "'and saw no one then. "'I was on the right side when I noticed "'a figure laying in the street. "'It was dark at the time. "'I examined the body by the aid of my lamp "'and noticed blood oozing from a wound in the throat. "'She was lying on her back with her clothes disarranged. "'I felt her arm, which was quite warm from the joints upward.' Her eyes were wide open, and her bonnet was off and lying at her side. There's a lot of quotes on how the bodies were positioned and how they looked. Yeah, like yeah. so many. It's very thorough, and I'm like, wow, it's insane, especially for the fact that they didn't catch the guy. Yeah, no kidding. All of this is so thorough. So he calls reinforcements, and by four a.m., uh, Doctor LeWeylin, that's what I'm gonna. That's right. That's what I'm gonna say. He was there. He was on the scene. Ready to go. Once he arrived, Polly was officially announced dead due to the giant gaping hole, gaping in, her hole in her neck and the huge wound that almost completely cut off her so head. So is that the only thing about her body? Nope. Okay. We're not done. Okay. There's stuff that even Dr. LeWayland doesn't notice. We'll get there. Yeah. Just you wait. So that cross failed to notice. The man walking by earlier failed to notice that her throat was cut. So... As he is, uh, doctor, the doctor is continuing his examination, his initial examination before the body's removed, her body and legs were still warm, so she had died very recently, but her wrists and hands were cold, so it was, the, the process was beginning. Yes. The, the decomposition and all of that, it was starting, um, her body was starting to cool down, um, and he decided she hadn't been dead for but like half an hour, Between an hour and half an hour. She just died. Um, And after that her body was taken to the mortuary. Where the doctor was going to be able to perform a more thorough examination. They did notice as they were picking her up. That her back was covered in blood. Um, But other than what was on her clothing. The only other blood at the scene was about a six inch wide puddle. Which... Ended up leading investigators to believe that she was killed somewhere else and then was found here. Like, this is where she was dumped uh, in Bucks Row. And okay. the investigators failed to notice that there was a giant gash running from all the way down her abdomen. And she was disemboweled. He emptied her. They didn't notice it. You want to know who noticed? A man named Inspector Spratling who came to the scene after hearing about the body as it, like, made its way through town. He came to look and, um, decided he was going to go tell the doctor about this. But before he, before the doctor had arrived so that Spratling could tell him this and all that, two of the paupers at the mortuary decided to strip and wash the body. With no instruction to do so. There's the chain of command for you. The no structure. Oh, just wait, it happened again, too. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, so no one told them to. No one told them not to. But no one told them that the doctor hadn't been able to perform a proper observation yet. And they decided to strip and wash the body. And now we come to the identification of Polly. In order to do that, they took pictures of her and posted them around town. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. They just took pictures of her dead body. Okay, like, hey, here's this dead dismembered, <sighs> dis- just fucking- Disemboweled? Disemboweled fucking throat slit body. Does anyone recognize her? Yeah, like, oh, who knows it? She doesn't look right because face slippage in her throat slip. Finders but... keepers! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get a prize. <laughs> yeah. One pen. Which actually, do you want to see? There's pictures. Yeah, my fucked up brain does want to see. Also, they're not bad. like, I'm, around. I'm going as fast. As I'm almost through the first one. I know. I'm just saying, I'm not going to be able to last throughout this whole I episode tonight. You know. And that's the one of the drawings they posted.
1: She um, ain't
0: pretty. <laughs> which, most of these women are not the prettiest. Most of them are shorter alcoholics missing some teeth um so as this happened um the matron of lambeth was asked multiple times because they found the stamps of the names of the company on her skirts Mm -hmm. um and she was like i don't know who it is i don't know who it is and then she comes in and looks at the body and she's like oh i know who that is that's polly Even though she said she didn't know who it was multiple times. She had seen her body twice and said she didn't know who it was. And then she's like, oh, that's Polly. That's sus. Yeah. And then more and more people continued to identify her. First was her father, Edward, on September 1st. um, There is a quote saying um, this is when her son also came and identified her. Last evening after the inquest on Mary Ann Nichols, the eldest son of the deceased woman arrived at the Whitechapel mortuary and recognized the body as that of his mother. He was respectably dressed and seemed much affected by her untimely end. He is by trade an engineer and lives with his grandfather, Mr. Walker, but for some time had not been on speaking terms with his father. So then Paul William also came to identify her. After not seeing her for three fucking years and being divorced, he came to identify her. Um, and was quoted as saying to her, I forgive you as you are what you have been to me. Excuse me? Which doesn't make any fucking sense. I'm like, you pretty much abandoned her. Thanks. You had an affair, and she started drinking because of it, so you divorced her. Alright, cool. Sweet. And then stopped paying her allowance. Awesome. A guy. So great. And then he saw his oldest son for the first time in, like, 15 years. <laughs> And he never didn't, he didn't get to know him. He didn't raise him. He didn't know anything about him. He was like, you did a good job to Edward. Saying, you did a good job raising my kid. Yeah, you had four others to raise, but you had five children. You didn't just have four. You had five kids. Um, there was also a report on her funeral, um, uh, saying that she was killed on Bucks Row early Friday, early Friday night or Friday morning, um, The arrangements were very simple, and her, uh, hearse was taken down Hansbury Street, which the crowd was insane for her, for her funeral. Like, taking her to her grave, there were thousands of people lining the streets as she was taken away, um, down Old Montague Street. There, she ended up late, arriving late at the graveyard i'd guess wherever she was buried her resting place um she was late that evening on the crowd was upset that police would not let the people like just everyday people go look at her body wonder why in a coffin like wow (laughs) and uh among the people that were there to see her off was her father and two of her children so i would guess edward and probably one of the other older children Um, and there were cops stationed every few yards to, like, protect her coffin because everyone wanted to see. Um, and then only two days after the funeral is when we have Miss Annie Chapman walking down the road. And Mr. Jackie Boy decides to say hello again only two days after her funeral on september 8th i say this all happens within a very short time frame it's so fast it is so quickly like this is not he takes a few months he strikes again this is days no i mean hell you're saying her funeral's in september like they september 8th yeah um my victim is discovered november 9th yes This is all in the matter of August 31st to to November 9th is all the victims. Like, two months. That's it. Less than. Yeah. So, Annie Chapman was born um, Annie Eliza Smith, September of 1841, uh, to George Smith and Ruth Chapman. She had three sisters. You're going to love these names. Okay. Am I? Are you lying to me? Emily Letitia. Leticia. Born in eighteen forty four, Georgiana doesn't have a middle name. Wow, I like that one better. In eighteen fifty six, and Miriam Ruth. In eighteen fifty eight, she also has a brother. You're gonna love this, named Fountain Smith. <laughs> I have always <laughs> fucking hated that name. What Fountain. That's a name you've heard of? Sadly. I've never even heard of I've it. I've known a girl named fucking Sparkle Jasmine. I know a woman and a girl named Absidy. I know. I've heard of that one. Uh, I also know a woman named Rain. That one's not too bad. It's not too bad, but really, Rain. Can I tell you name gonna... your kid Dewdrop. I knew a girl named Cinnamon. Okay, that doesn't surprise me. Cinnamon and gender i'm like you're destined to be a stripper your mom was a stripper that's her stripper name yeah <laughs> which isn't a horrible thing go ahead be a stripper um and a lot of people believe that annie was a black sheep amongst her sisters like her sisters didn't really like her um all right and then we skip all the way to when she's 28 wow may 1st of 1869 she marries john chapman They ended up living at 29 Montpelier Place uh, in Brompton. Uh, Her mother lived with them until her death in 1893, um, which, surprise, surprise, died after she died. Wow. After Annie died. And the couple ended up moving three times over the years until finally settling settling in Windsor in 1881, where John started working as a domestic coachman. Um, During this time, they ended up having three children. Emily Ruth in 1870, Annie Georgina in 1873, and John Alfred in 1880. John John was, quote-unquote, a cripple. There is no explanation to what disabilities he may have had. And was sent to a home when he was a child. And then Emily ended up dying of meningitis when she was 12. So they have two living children. Um... Annie and John ended up agreeing to a mutual separation about 1884. Either way, fucks over the girl. Yeah, pretty much. It is believed that both like it was a mutual separation, but both John and Annie were really heavy drinkers. Um and Annie was arrested quite a few times for drunkenly disorder drunk being a drunken disorderly. Uh-huh. Um John was obligated to give her 10 shillings a week after the divorce, and he mostly kept to that until he died in 1886. So Annie did not take John's death well. It was a mutual separation, but they were really close afterwards, too. Uh Uh-huh. And after the divorce, a friend of hers is quoted saying, since the death of her husband, she she seemed to have given away altogether. So she was just like a shell of herself after her divorced man." Died. And then in mid eighteen eighty eight, Annie started sleeping at Crossingham's lodging house at thirty-five Dorset Street. She paid eight pence a night, and this place would house about three hundred other people. Wow. Yeah. Uh Chapman ended up getting along with a lot of other tenants, including a the deputy keeper who's like the guard named Timothy Donovan. She made most of her money, as many of the women of the times did, by selling Sell it out. No. Well, kind of. By selling crochet and artificial flowers on top of sex work. In her work. She had two regulars. One was named Harry the Hawker. The <laughs> what? Harry the Hawker. One more time. Harry the Hawker. <laughs> the other okay. one's named Ted Stanley. <laughs> that one's lame. Whereas other people called him the pensioner. That's that's even worse. It is. <laughs> I like the. Horror. Stanley was also known to be a retired soldier, which we find out was a lie. He was not a soldier. I find uh, a lot of the times. People... Most men lie about being soldiers at that time. Oh, especially at the time, it's like you're gonna get sympathy for it, which I get. I cool, I guess. Like I don't. Nice. I don't even fucking know in reality he was a bricklayer that lived at Osborne place um in Whitechapel and he claimed to have only visited Annie maybe once or twice but Mr. Donovan the deputy here was like he was here between like Sunday through Monday like he was there all fucking week or like Saturday Saturday through Monday He was was there half the week with her. Not visiting her maybe once or twice. Um, And it seemed that the only trouble Chapman really found herself in was when Stanley was around. Um, A fellow lodger by the name of Eliza Cooper had lent Annie a bar of soap that Annie ended up giving to Stan. She dropped the soap. Oh no. Into Stanley's hand. (laughs) And uh, gave it to him to use for a shower or something. And over the next few days, Emily got mad because Annie wouldn't give her her fucking soap back. That's bullshit. So, Annie finally had enough and got mad and threw a half-pence at her. So, a half, like a penny, basically. Told her to go buy more fucking soap. (laughs) She's like, go fucking buy soap. So... That caused some issues, and in a pub a few nights later, they ended up getting into a fight. Bro! It literally- so, Annie slapped Eliza because she was pissed, even though she's the one that stole the bar, so- she didn't pay for it, technically, so, honestly, Eliza can shut the fuck up and leave it alone.
1: <laughs> and Did Eliza returned
0: still- the slap with a punch to the face and a punch to the chest. Damn! Um, it was believed at the time that Eliza may have been suffering from syphilis. Ew. And possibly also tuberculosis. Ew. So. She needed that soap. She did not. <laughs> yeah, she did. But she gave it to Stanley anyways. She needed that soap, man. But, so, she didn't, like, her condition only got worse after this. Her face and chest were extremely bruised. Even, there were still bruises during her post mortem exam. They were still there. Um, and after this altercation, um, Annie met with a friend named Amelia Park Palmer, um, where Amelia was like, oh my fuck, your head and your chest look horrible. You don't look great. <laughs> like, you're not doing too hot, honey. You're a hot mess. And then she saw her the next day and Annie was completely pale and looked absolutely horrible. Completely, like, absolutely sickly. And Annie fi- did admit that in the next few days, if things didn't get better, she's going to go to the clinic. Go to the local ward um, and get checked out. Which wasn't cheap. No, that's why she really didn't want to go. Which is also why a lot of people got sick and died, because they couldn't afford the doctor. Um, she did admit to Amelia that she had no food. She hadn't been eating, which does not help her declining health. So Amelia gave her friend two pence to go spend on food. Um, And two days after, they meet again, and Annie looks even worse than before. Uh, And she did complain to feel too ill to do anything. Um, And that was going to be the last time Polly saw her. Not Polly. Amelia. Palmer. That's why I said Polly. Palmer saw her friend. Uh, September 8th, 1888. I don't know why I typed 1881. (laughs) 1881. (laughs) Hey. <laughs> Just before 6 a.m., a man named John Davis opened the back door to Hansbury Street, and John Davis is he's an old man. Old oh, man. He's a good old man. Um, he was horrified by what was in his backyard. Looking at him was a deceased Annie Chapman. Oh. In his L- backyard? <laughs> In his backyard. Good morning, sir. Yeah. To have a cup of coffee. He, he's and about a dead to, body. He's about to go to work, and he walks out the back door to her, dead, staring at him. Um. Hey, boss. I'm not coming in. <laughs> so her head was turned toward the house, and her skirts were pulled up to her waist again, uh, to show her it's red and white striped stockings. It is a common theme. Uh, her handkerchief was wrapped around her neck, with her hands and face covered in blood. Um, I will say, a lot of people think that the handkerchief was to, like, cover the mark, like, the cut. No, she was wearing it before. I was gonna say, I don't think he shows any He sort didn't of care signs to cover remarks. it up. He, well, or well, even hide it from anyone. He a wanted this found. Like, wounds, or, like, cover up a body, or do, dress them after... Sexual assault is, like, a common sign of remorse. Yeah, like, you're trying to protect their modesty when they're dead. They don't have Which is not something I see in this guy's episode. Oh, absolutely not. She was wearing this handkerchief well before, like, before she died. People saw her wearing it. Yeah, it's not... Um, He definitely didn't put it on her. Um... Her body was described as being placed between the steps and the fence, with her head turned towards the house. Um... And her hands were as I said covered in blood and they were raised and bent as if she was like grabbing at her neck like not like up above her head they were like this like she was struggling like she may have been alive when her throat was cut yeah or maybe she was strangled before her throat was cut Um. or both or she was trying to stop for the bleeding yes uh, as he was cutting her head off basically damn near yeah the slurp um, so at about six thirty AM, Doctor Bagster, he's got all them bags. I like that name. Baxter Phillips, he's on the scene. He's got that baggage. <laughs> really. Um, and he described what he saw. And he saw that she was obviously beyond any medical help. Um, he is quoted as saying <laughs> Really? <laughs> Who would've thought, right? Um Quoted as saying, The left arm was placed around the left breast. The legs were drawn up, the feet resting on the ground, and the knees turned outwards. The face was swollen and turned to the right side. The tongue protruded between the front teeth, but not beyond the lips. The tongue was evidently much swollen. The front teeth were perfect as far as the first molar top and bottom, and very fine teeth they were. That's really weird. (laughs) She had great teeth. Cool. Nice. the body was terribly mutilated, the stiffness of the limbs was not marked, but was evidently commencing, uh, aka lividity, like the rigidity, um, rigor mortis Got it. was starting. Um, he noticed that the throat was dissevered, dissevered deeply, <laughs> <laughs> that the, the incisions through the skin were jagged and reached right around the neck. On the wooden paling between the yard in question and the next smears of blood corresponding to where the head of the deceased lay were to be seen these were about 14 inches from the ground and immediately above the part where the blood from the neck lay so like splatters okay meaning she was not dead when he cut her throat no because the blood was still coming out right um so, after this, with Polly's murder still really fresh in their minds, they're like, no one is touching this body until we get it looked at properly. A full examination. Don't strip and wash it, bitch. Do not touch this fucking body. Guess what? Oh, no. Did Two they... nurses didn't listen. They stripped and cleaned the body before Dr. Philip got there. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wonder if that was on purpose. I'm really wondering if someone came in and told them to do it. See, that goes along with my theory that I'm going to talk about later. Because there are one, I don't remember which one of these victims, but there is a a suspect that may get talked about that I think when they found Polly's body was like, oh, you better go check that out on this street. They never checked in on the guy. They don't even know the guy's name. There's no official reports of it happening. Nothing. Um... Now, we are along to uh, number three. That was it for number two. That was it. We're back, spooky bitches. We totally didn't record for like five days. Almost a week. Almost a week. We had a lot of shit to do. Yeah, so life happened, and everyone, again, we were complaining at the beginning of the episode, but everyone's buying fucking christmas cards well and we're exa- we were exhausted so we didn't finish recording the episode the first time around. yeah because we had just worked as i'm sure we mentioned like a 10 11 hour shift that was all week for me yeah the same i got yeah, to that oh point yeah. that was all the, the week before wasn't this last week was and then we're recording again on a sunday to finish this episode so we can get it out to you guys and then oh, hopefully to record, today record again <laughs> in like two days in like two days yeah <laughs> i have to record again um that one will we'll do better about getting out on time. Hopefully, I'm gonna say I don't think I'll be like working gone all weekend. So I will have a Christmas on Saturday, but I will be able to uh, do research for the next third the, for the last and final Jackie boy. <laughs> well, the third one we we gotta take a break for our Christmas episode. Oh, so i got to research Krampus. Yeah. Okay. I'll do Krampus, and then we can finish Jack. And then you have to do Friday the 13th. And then, and the request of my auntie, Leviathan. We will be covering the creature's Leviathan. The creature. Creature. It's just creature. The creature Leviathan. I call it Leviathan because of Supernatural. <laughs> I am a huge Supernatural fan. What do you mean that's how you say it? Mm-hmm. But they're multiple, like, there's multiple Leviathan in, um, there's like a hive mind type of Oh, thing yeah, in yeah, yes. I actually think that's generally what it's like anyways. Oh, okay. I I'm don't know, but we have to do some sure. research on it because he is reaching out to my aunt and my uncle now. So, that is something they would like to know more about. And I think it'd be a cool episode... And then I think we should do something along the why hauntings why. Along the what? Along blah. the lines of that's the word. <laughs> along the lines of haunting. I'm happy against it. I was say we haven't done any ghost stories yet. So no. I'd like to do some ghost stories. i after, after that. all that. All of the true crime, all of the Krampus. Let's do some hauntings. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. If if you guys want to go comment on anything on Instagram, yes I'm petty. Um <laughs> Ever <laughs> Ever connet. Yeah, more than just people commenting, oh, it's a promotion, oh, it's a promotion. Stop Go promote it. it. We will promote it when we fucking feel like it. Well, it's like, oh, go to this page and promote it and do this and that. I'm like, or, mm-hmm. or, leave what? us the fuck alone and comment real shit. Yeah, comment cool shit. Like, those people follow us, like, cool, but they just want us to pay and, like, promote, promote. and do different shit. They want us to give them money. Pretty much. And I don't want to do shit. that. Maybe if we're bigger... Maybe. Well, also, that's when it gets into, like, sponsorships and shit, once we're bigger and all that. Like, once we actually want to do that shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're back here on a Sunday, I guess, since it's been a whole week. What did we do? We worked. Worked. A lot of work. Did a lot of Christmas shopping. Just about done. Not quite. I'm mostly there. I just need to crochet all my stuff now. I still need to do that as well as... Which is what you're doing now. <laughs> I am currently crocheting as I'm talking. <laughs> because I uh, um, I left my the hook I was using for my project at home throughout the entire weekend. Couldn't go get it because I was two hours away. So I didn't work on a damn thing this weekend. I just played Pokemon all weekend. I did hex one of my professors in college. He ended up having a stroke and not coming back for the rest of the semester. And I finally passed the class. <laughs> That's fucking great. Witches get stitches, except I know how to use protection, so. <laughs> oh, that's great. Advocating for safe sex and safe witchcraft. <laughs> we need that on a t-shirt. Yes, we do. We need that. Yes, as well as meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes, and and advocacy. That's 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 our that's our motto, man. That's <laughs> just what we do. That's that's what we're about. We went to an orchard this oh, weekend. Yeah, that was so much fun. I had baby goats stuck on my fingers. <laughs> and trying to eat my clothes. We snuggled with some big ass horses. Oh my god, they were so cute. I uh, That's actually, uh, Instagram finally got to see our faces because my posting of, hey, sh- shits, ha- shit's it. Life's great. Life's a bitch. <laughs> we're posting late. That um, <laughs> was with posting a picture of... Um, them on tick. Oh. I like that picture. I have that saved on my phone. see I have all the pictures. And I have the one in the big rocking chair saved, too. <laughs> I like that picture. I think I have more photos, too. I just didn't save them all. I mean, look through them. <laughs> look through them. them. Yeah, that one's my favorite one she got of us, and I saved it on my phone. I like the angle with the tree. I'm yeah. All <laughs> <laughs> I always look awkward in my smiles. and like... <laughs> I look. It reminds me of my brother because he used to smile like. <laughs> that's what it reminds it me of. It doesn't look like that though. We like, gotta better feel. than that. <laughs> That's how <laughs> I feel. Because I look like a fucking awkward like kid trying to take a school picture like. Like I don't like. You can tell I don't take pictures often. <laughs> With a super big cheesy fucking grin. Yep. <laughs> <gasps> Oh my gosh. Uh, so that means y'all finally get see our split dyes that we explained. Uh Uh-huh. On my hot mess of a hair before it was fixed. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad, but I was very tired. It was a different style. Yeah, we woke up really early to do that. And I haven't gotten much sleep. I had fucking nightmares last night. So I woke up at 3 a.m. And then... Is that why you got woken up? Yeah, that's what, how I woke up so fucking early. And mm. then afterwards, usually after I have a nightmare like that, if I can't calm down, I wake up every five minutes like I'm fucking like, oh fuck, I'm late. Like the panic. That's what I... I... No, literally I come home from work and I, I hate like four pieces of pizza. I ate two at lunch and two after lunch because mm. there was always pizza. leftovers. They only bought four pizzas though too. There weren't that many fucking oh, that's people. That's true, yeah. It's like them bringing us bagels last Sunday. Oh yeah, there's fucking donuts and shit. Still in there from last uh, for Friday, too. There's gonna be a, a big ass dinner or sub lunch on Tuesday. Tuesday? I'm really? gonna feel like tomorrow's Tuesday and it's not. Because That's I how I felt today. last week. <laughs> no, apparently, when I was gone, they set the laser on fire. How did they manage that? I don't know, but I didn't see it yet, and then I'm... He's like, yeah, so he's like, not much happened while you were gone. We didn't get as much done as I wanted to. Like, Jesse was helping and stuff, but, like, I honestly, they're not as fast as me. That's just it. Yeah. They're just not. And so then he's like, yeah, oh, also, we set the laser on fire. We can't cut fourth-inch boards anymore. That's amazing. And I look over there, and there's literally char spots on a board... <gasps> That was sitting up because the whole fucking thing caught on fire. Oh, no. And it melted the plastic to the comb, like, the honeycomb grid. It melted so much shit. It did so much. And he's like, I don't even know if we can cut 1-8 inch boards. Oh, no. That's the that's the laser we cut all our ornaments on. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, we've been getting a lot of statuettes and larger ornaments, but our all, most of our ornaments are done on that laser. That's fucked bro. And then our printer started fucking up. That's amazing. Like, completely. Like, when you, you've seen what the nozzle checks look like. They yeah. look like you can see the lines. This one had two patches. Only two colors were a little spotty. The rest of it looked like shit. Oh, no. You couldn't see it. It didn't print. It wasn't there. So, that took, like, two hours to fix. So, I'm just kind of hoping the week goes smoothly. We'll find out. What'd you do today? Today, I yeah. slept in till about 9.30. I saw that, you motherfucker. It was great. It was great. Um, i played pokemon until eddie got off work <laughs> um took a shower nice and I then we figured out what we were eating which we've decided pizza ranch we left the dogs home for 30 minutes tops to and go came yeah came back and picked the dogs up and left and so not a whole lot but yeah it was a good day no, pizza it was just great i haven't had it in forever and i was just they have, like, really good ice cream. Their cheese mm-hmm. bread. I was kind of upset spaghetti, though, because I wanted to request... You know how they let you request a pizza to put on the buffet, and they bring it to your table first so you get some? Yeah. I wanted to request a chicken bacon ranch pizza. And they were like, oh, we already have one out. There's, like, three pieces left. You know, is that enough? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um. So as soon as I go up to, like, finally get my plate, because I, I got my drink, picked a seat, and then I was going up... Hey, take a second. It was gone, would not it? There was one piece. And the entire, they are like, oh, we're going to have another one, more pizza coming out soon. Not mine. Not mine. <laughs> I was pissy. But I would have been pissed. They did bring out this one mac and cheese pizza that was really good. Mac and cheese pizza at pizza, pizza Ranch is pretty good. Most of their pizza on the buffet was, like, stuffed crust, so I didn't really complain about the the chicken bacon ranch, because the chicken bacon ranch was also stuffed crust, like the one piece I got, so I was okay with that, because I didn't even request that so sorry he asked me what i wanted and i'm like something good <laughs> also that reminds me fucking yeah. so i was showing nico tiktoks today uh-huh. i roped him into it because we had some fun in the bedroom <laughs> um but after i was able to because like he he knows if i ask him to cuddle he's gonna have to he's no choice mm-hmm. after shit like that So he did, I made him watch a bunch of TikToks, and I'm like, this is the epitome of my For You page, and guess what the fucking sequence of, like, four videos was. Babies. Ew. BDSM. Thirst traps. Yes. Of women. Dogs. It sounds like mine. Mine Well, yeah, ours are, like, the fucking same. Instead of the babies, like, it it would be, like, cats. Anime or cat videos. Yeah anime probably most like mostly like cosplayers and stuff thirst trap cosplay cosplay thirst trap that that could it's funny because most of the cosplayers are like i like are women cosplaying men yeah (laughs) well because also most of them it's like what pause pause i don't think you saw it yet probably not Oh, you did. The, Dobby. the one you sent me. <laughs> yeah. The episode came out yesterday, actually. Um, so we can watch it tonight. I probably, I probably won't do it tonight. Okay. I am I am being obligated to watch Naruto because we left off on a really, really important spot. We're just about to realize... So I get to know everything about Dabi before you? No, you wait. You want me to wait? Yeah. Episode that I've been waiting a month for, you want me to wait? An episode I've been waiting since before it was written in manga. (laughs) Yes, but I've known the episode's been coming for a month. If we hurry up here, if we hurry up and get the podcast Yeah, we have three victims left. Sneak downstairs and watch it real quick. You could. Then we gotta get moving. Yeah. So my boyfriend don't realize that I'm not downstairs watching Naruto with him when I could be watching... He probably won't realize it anyways. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> we're going to watch it. Okay, we have three more of the canonical five. I was going to start uh, the third one last week, but god damn, we were fucking falling asleep. Don't look. My boobs are sweaty. I'm I, not, I don't asleep. even see your boobs. Okay, good. Don't, don't look. I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I told Nico he had to help me carry shit upstairs for alcohol. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you got to pay the piper. And like gave me a kissy face and I flashed him. And he's like, that's good. That's good. That's good. But, wait, I'm on the... Oh, That makes so much more sense. I'm so confused. You ready? Ready for Elizabeth's stride? You want to know what else she's been called? Long Liz. Oh. I don't know why. She's called Long Liz. You do know why. I do know why. You're lying to me. (laughs) Just say you're lying to me and move on. Sure. I'm totally lying. I lie to you all the time, 24 7. Every day. I know. God. (laughs) Such a a bitch. (laughs) Continue. I'm listening. I just need to get moving. All right. So, Elizabeth Long Liz. Long Liz was originally born. Elizabeth, I need to move this mic away from me. I do. I really do. Was originally born Elizabeth Gustav's daughter. Gustav's. Gustav's daughter. So it's like Gustav's daughter. But D-O-T-T-E-R. But it sounds like Gustav's daughter. Which actually works. You want to know why? Is her dad's name Gustav? (laughs) Yeah, her dad's name is Gustav. So I think that actually might have been on purpose. Of course it is. She was named Gustav's daughter born uh november 27th of 1843 on a farm in sweden to gustav Ericsson and Bita carl's daughter so it's gustav's daughter because gustav's dad's name and then the end of the what the mom's last name okay then <laughs> i don't know why but that's how it works <laughs> okay yeah. um and then i kind of just go through this in a timeline fashion of when things were happening cool because that's what i did with my victim it works cuz I couldn't like, find a lot whole, on her. There's not a lot on her besides what Well, she there's a lot of talks. skipping around here. Like we skip like a whole last decade almost at one yeah. point. Um, so on October 14th, of 1860, she moved to the parish of Karl Johan in Gothenburg. Can you tell where Gothenburg? Gothenburg, Gothenburg. I don't know but, what do you mean. <laughs> we have no culture. <laughs> Well, if I really wanted to say Johan wrong, it's just, it's spelled with a J. Johan. But it's Johan. Okay. Because my family's Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> so I do know how to say some of this. Um, where she ended up working for a man with four children named Lars Frederick. She was she like a, a houseworker. Well, I said a houseworker. And I said homewrecker. She may have been, but there's not really much information on that.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then we get to March 1865, where, by police, it is reported that she was named as a sex worker. Like, I'm not gonna say prostitute, because that's fucking rude as fuck. And they, they they said, said prostitute throughout the whole first half of this. Yeah, they, said pro- they obviously said prostitute, but I even put it in my notes as a sex worker, because I feel like that's just more, like... You're doing what you have to do to survive, why put a horrible fucking name to it? Well, I said prostitute, I meant no offense, that is just- No, that's, that's just- Historically <laughs> that's what was written. Technical term? That's what everyone called it. That's what it's called, and I do, I do believe, like, I have nothing against it. I was like, no. you do what you fucking can to get by, especially yeah, as we a were woman- about that. In those times. Yeah. So. If you're not making a mo- enough, making and that's a, how you make money, like, that's it. Just making a statement that I am not- an asshole. hmm And here's a little trigger warning about, like, pregnancy and birth. Ew. Oh, well, this is kind of sad. Oh, ew. Um, and then, <laughs> in April of 1865, a month after she was named by police as a sex worker, um, she ended up giving birth to a stillborn girl. Oh, that is really girl. sad. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure why she gave birth to a stillborn, but she did. It happens, I actually in don't those think she times. ended up having, like, any other children, either. Some um, women just can't. Actually, no, she did. Oh. Just wait. <laughs> I forgot. I haven't seen my notes in a while. Forgot. Um, <laughs> forgot. Forgot. <laughs> um, and then, officially, in, on July 10th of 1886... No, I actually did forget. That wasn't... I thought you were, like, making fun of me because I said it weird. I actually did forget it is in my notes. (laughs) I got to that point. (laughs) I did get there. Um, She, on July 10th of 1886, it was stated in the records that she ended up moving to London. London. Oh. She became a Londoner. Londoner. London, London, London. (laughs) Um, And she was labeled as an unmarried woman. (gasps) Same. (laughs) Uh, and the people she lodged with and, like, stayed with said that she came to London oh, in service of a foreign gentleman. <laughs> That's not she how you to do that. You want to saw it. That's why you might want the serrated knife. Oh, you got it. Okay, yeah! I hope you got some ASMR of her cutting the string with an exacto knife. I don't think they heard it. But I heard it from here, so you never know. That literally was it, yeah. That's his body. Nice. It's a <laughs> Um Um, um <laughs> Uh so it, it was said that she may have come to London to service. In the service of a foreign to service. It may have been to service. I don't know. Don't there know. isn't any information. Or at least not that I found. Um, and then on March 7th of 1869, um, Elizabeth married a man called John Striden, Stridion, Stridion? How did I know his name was going to be John? (laughs) They're all John. Everyone's John. Yeah. Even your dad. (laughs) That's true. And after they married, they ended up living in East, in the, on, in? In East India Rock, Dock Road in Poplar, which, if you've ever seen The Midwife, that's Poplar. London. <laughs> I have watched all nine collection season thingies of The Midwife. I have not. Or I've seen most of it, but also I like what's in Baby Thing. Back to Liz. Long Liz. Long Liz. Long Liz the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> Sad days. Queen is dead. Sorry, guys. If you didn't figure so, so is her spider. We named her Spider. We had a little house spider. We named her Elizabeth. And Nico killed her. Yeah. On accident. Murderer. But he killed her. Because she tried to move to a new house. And I was trying to make it so she kept living on the thing. And I was going to feed her too. No. No. Because Nico killed her. Yes. So she did. can't live in her web anymore. And I had to destroy her web when I redecorated for Christmas. It was very sad. It was sad. Because she was no longer going to inhabit her goddamn web. There will Whip. be no other spiders allowed. <sighs> no. that was, She was the only one. Maybe yeah, we'll have a new where one she later. She she was supposed to be. For most of the time, and then she moved, and that's when Nico killed her. That was... Because I kept trying to move her back. I found her, and then I moved her back, and then I went to go find her again, and Nico killed her, and I was so sad. Yeah. Um. Murderer. So after they got married, they ended up in Poplar, and they opened a coffee shop Ooh. at Crisp Street. Crisp? In poplar and then in 1870 they had another store on upper north street like t- like two at once oh and then they ended up moving the business up to 187 poplar high street and were there until it was taken over and they ended up selling the business to a man named john wow another john real original john dale in 1875 I don't know why I went southern, but I did. Um, and then in 1878, this is where it gets a little dark. It's, like, Titanic-ish. Ooh. There is, like, a shipwreck, like, a collision. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know the other ship, but I'm pretty sure she was on the Princess Alice, um, where six to seven hundred people died in this collision. Oh, man. It was a big fucking shipwreck. Yeah. Um, and Elizabeth ended up claiming that her husband and four children were killed on the boat. And that she injured her palate. So like the your palate is like the top, the roof the or the bottom of your, of your mouth. Yeah. Um. That it was injured when she got kicked in the mouth while climbing the ship to get to safety. Um mm. but spoiler alert, she dies. Oh. She gets killed. Not in this, but obviously oh. this is about Jackie Boy. She gets yeah, killed. I, I almost <laughs> forgot. <laughs> So, in her post-mortem exam, um, it shows that her palate, neither one, were ever injured. Oh. Ever. So, it's assumed that she lied about this for social security and, like, government pension. For reasons. For money. Yeah. <laughs> because, also, you find out her husband didn't die. Oh. He died in October of 1884, um, <laughs> eight years later, or six years later oh wow of heart disease wow (laughs) yeah so um she ended up living in the 32 flower and dean street house uh from about 1882 until about her death kind of off and on because also in 1885 she met a man named michael kidney which is a great name And she ends up living on and living with him on and off, like, she'll leave him for periods of time to go into town, like, Mm -hmm. where she would stay at the lodging house and, like, be a, be on the town kind of shit, just, like, Uh living her life out there. Independent woman shit. Independent woman. In the 1880s, which is really hard, so go her. Yes. But also, that kind of sucks for her. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so she meets him in 1885, and mind you, she ends up dying in 1888. So on and off for three years, the reason it stops is because of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we do have a little bit of background on Michael. He was born in 1852, so she was the cradle robber because he was seven years younger. She was a cougar. Yeah, he was seven years younger than her. And he was a waterside laborer, but he provided for her. So, like, when they lived together, he would provide for him. That's nice. He would provide for her. And a lot of people describe their relationship as, like... Stormy it's not the greatest. That's, like, makes sense why it's off and on. Because she was sense. gone a lot and she drank a lot. Which is the
1: M.O. of the victims.
0: Yeah. And he ended up successfully trying to lock her in the house so she couldn't leave <gasps> on occasion. Well, also, like, she's drinking and she, when she goes on the town, it's not just to be an independent woman. What? I just to the Christine. You did! I <laughs> did! Oh, shout out to Be an Natsby drink. <laughs> S- it's S- gonna S- get to a point where S- we're gonna S- have S- a <laughs> <own> count. <laughs> no, that really was like, this bitch just tried to fucking Harry Potter closet her ass. Or what? He did, yeah. Harry Locker in the closet. Fuck. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, no, seriously. And she was generally described as a very poor woman. Like, she never really had, like, a true home and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And there's even a time where she was an inmate in 1887. Why would they be because, because she of was of charged of assault. Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> no, she charged Kidney of assault. Michael. She charged Michael of assault. But that never really went to court. So, how was she an inmate? She wasn't. I just said it wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> I read my notes wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my notes. um so she's the one that failed to go to court when kidney was like when she pressed charges and then by the time of 1888 which i feel like this is kind of showing like how he wasn't really involved with her anymore he was sent to jail for three days uh for being drunk and disorderly so he wasn't a very a very good man for her either yeah, it sounds like neither of them were um, really good for each other. No, he wasn't great. And then there was also a time where Liz was um, arrested one night for also being drunk and disorderly. Wow, and, shocker. And, yeah, I know. And it said that during, like, but within, like, the last two years before her death, she appeared before the magistrate for being drunk and disorderly and, like, charges of the like eight times eight fucking times eight times i'm pretty sure she dies when she's like 45 47 jesus and she goes within the eight months she goes before she was 45 before the court eight times also little side note if you want an idea of how long liz looked it is described that she had a very pale complexion she had dark curly hair and very light gray eyes So, like, at this point in the description, you're tight. Curly hair. She was a little thick. (laughs) Like, she's got it going on. But all of the teeth in her lower left jaw were gone. Pass. (laughs) Hard pass. (laughs) That's where you jump off the train. (laughs) I like my woman with teeth. The last time Michael ends up seeing Liz is on Tuesday, September 25th, 1888. 1888, 1888. Who woulda thunk? Who would Um, and he expects her to be home when she when he comes home, but she's not there. But surprise, surprise. Well, yeah. Well, so she, she is. She does this all the time, though. So he's not nervous. He's not oh. worried. Like, literally, it is quoted as him Lizzie saying, "Lizzie, well, Seriously, long fucking Liz. And he literally was like, "It was the it was the drink that made her go away." She always returned without me going after her. Ah. Uh, I think she likes me better than any other man, because she always came back. So she'd go fuck these guys for money and then come back to him. Well, that was her job. Well, that okay. was her job, but also like, it worked for them. He was like, "Fuck it, I'm not concerned. She'll come back. She always, she always comes back." <laughs> Sorry, you're going to get some boomy ASMR because he's jumping all over his enclosure. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then, um, on September 26th, she ends up in the lodging house on 32 Flower and Dean Street, which is the fl- the lodging house she had been to quite a few times. Uh-huh. But she hadn't been there in three months. Um, And she tells someone else there... That she had um, some words with with Michael. And she was going to stay there for a while. Um, And her being at the lodging house uh, was confirmed by a Dr. Thomas Bernardo. Okay. um, Who had started street preaching and opened a home for destitute boys. That sounds Pedophilic. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Um.
0: (laughs) And he ended up looking- going to the lodging house to get opinions on a scheme that he had going. That's sus. Yeah. And that all children could be- that children could be saved from, like, at least from the contamination of a lodging house by going to these houses. So he'd, like, go through- And find these kids and bring them back to his place, basically. Like, his little lodging house. Like, for kids. For destitute boys. Um. Mm -hmm. And when he went, he, it's actually quoted as him saying when he went into the kitchen that the the women and girls there, because I don't think it was a multi, like, different sex kind of lodging house. It was just all for. Just boys. Women. That's the thing. He went to a women's lodging house. Okay. to look for boys and that okay. they were quote unquote thoroughly frightened because they were discussing the murders of all the girls oh and then literally there was a woman that it said that she may have been drunk she ended up crying, like like upset saying we're all up to no good no one cares what becomes of us perhaps some of us will be killed next all right and then, as viewing the body, Doctor Bernardo, who is an examiner, uh, ended up recognizing her instantly as one one of the women that was in the kitchen. So this woman says that, and you don't even, we don't even know if it was Liz. It may have been her that said it. Yeah. But they find her. And then between between the twenty seventh and the thirtieth. Um, she Liz ended up going to the lodging house, and according to her, and according to someone, the, the deputy that worked at the lodging house, okay. um, said that she went there after Michael and her had a fight, but Michael says that that didn't happen. He denies that that ever happened, that they'd ever really gotten into a fight, she just leaves. Like, he was like, she wasn't there when I got home from work, that was it. Um... And then we get to I love that they it it's always in like different sources describing like the weather and what happens before the body is found. <laughs> it was a dark stormy night. <laughs> no seriously, it was showery and windy. Dude, literally, like that dark stormy. Notes, it's like there was a big thunderstorm the night before. <laughs> like Wait, seriously though, because another one of my victims, there was a thunderstorm before two fire the the one with the two fires. There was a big thunderstorm beforehand that lasted all night. And then we get to September thirtieth where everything is literally, like, almost by the hour timed. This, yep. is, this is where we get to the nitty-gritty. This is like our meat and potatoes of the murder. Where she's seen at, at 6.30. She's seen at the Queen's Head Public House, which is a drinking house, and she drank with a man, a woman, Elizabeth Tanner, who's the, the deputy of the lodging house, and then they walked together to the lodging house between seven and eight she's seen leaving um and she ends up giving uh someone else there a woman named katherine lane a large piece of green velvet and asks her to hold on to it for when she comes back all right and then she also asks another man another person from the lodging house named charles preston to borrow his clothes brush um i'm gonna guess that's like like, a lit roller (laughs) for us, (laughs) a clothes brush to clean it off, like, because they probably didn't clean their clothes, um, and a lot of people said she looked like she was, like, in good mood. She she was in a good mood. She was ready to go, um, and then she left with money that she had gotten from cleaning two of the rooms at the lodging house. Okay. Um, and then we get to 11 p.m., where two people, they're bricklayers, named... Jay Best, we don't know his first name, probably fucking John. Probably John. And John Gardner. No. <laughs> All the fucking Johns were going to the bricklayer public house on Settle Street. Um, and as they were going in, Stride Liz was leaving with uh, what was described as a short man with a dark mustache and sandy eyelashes. Okay. And he was described as wearing a billy coat hat, a morning suit, and coat. So this may be, like, a suspect is what they're thinking. Um. And Best says that, basically, like, she went in there to work. And then they came out as they were going in. That was really it. And it was raining pretty hard. Um. And they didn't seem to want to go out. Like, they, they didn't want to go out into the rain. The two, Liz and this man that was with her. Yes. Um, and it's quoted as him saying, He was hugging and kissing her, and as he seemed a respectively dressed man, we were rather astonished at the way he was going on at the woman. So, like, it's not common That's for... a common theme in this, I'm seeing, yeah. that he was sharply dressed. He looked like a great guy. He looks like a good guy. And then... But also, he's like... He, this... This best guy is, like, it's not common for a well-looking guy to be all up on a woman. No, not that in public. Is, no, and this was all in public. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guys, these two, tried to get the guy to come for a drink, but he was like, no, I don't want to. And then it's actually quoted that he had talked to Elizabeth, too. Like they heard him speaking to her, speaking to them, um, and it's quoted as him, this man, mysterious man, saying, "That's leather apron getting around you." I don't fully know what the fuck that meant. And then they just left. That's pretty much it. They they left, <laughs> and they were on their way. And these guys didn't see him. They didn't know who this person was either. They just ended up seeing her as the deceased later on. I will say that leather apron thing comes up again. Um, It's part of, like, their suspect. Um, In fact, it it created this huge, um, like, racism against the Jewish in the town at the time. Doesn't surprise me. Um, Because it was said that the killer was seen wearing a leather apron. Um, People thought, like, that was just... The last person these victims were seen was with this guy wearing this leather apron, Mm -hmm. dressed very cleanly, yada, yada, yada. So they kept thinking it was a a Jewish person, a Jewish man. I'm going to guess the jobs that these people had generally, like Jewish people would wear a leather apron. Yes. um, So it created this huge thing at the time. Um, I should have read more into it. I didn't. Um, we might I, have to I later. did. We well, we'll probably will that. for the suspects. I will just, I will say that, I read that in the research of my victim, the last victim, um, that created a huge panic that people, a huge racism thing, uh, Doesn't just surprise a big me. old fucking mess yeah. towards the Jewish people. I will in the say town that does show that Jewish problems were cropping up well before Hitler came around because it's yes. the 1880s. Yes, um. But that was what, where that leather apron thing came from, okay. is it um, someone was like, oh, the last person I saw her with was wearing a leather apron, must be the Jews, or something like that, and... That's a great thing to say. I'm sorry, I shouldn't... <laughs> no, I don't mean you, I mean them, like... Mm-hmm. No, but... Being like, oh, it's a guy in a leather apron, this is it. And then causing racial problems. I'm not saying it's you that it's a problem, you said it. I'm like, of course they said it. But that's what happened. That's what the whole leather apron thing is. That's what that all is about. Makes sense. Then we get to 11.45, where another man sees her on Burner Street. He does like to strike at night, doesn't he? Like, early day. Very, like, almost midnight, 2 a.m. Yeah, between, like, midnight... Two three a.m. because the first victim Polly was at like three thirty four. Yeah, or about like two between two and four, like two and three, 30 Yeah, because that's when the men found her at about three thirty four. Um. Another man sees her on Burner Street at eleven forty five, and, um, he's standing in a doorway in like in between some streets on Boyd Street. Uh. <laughs> sees her talking to a man in a black cutaway coat and sailor's hat. Did she say Black Alley? I was gonna say Back Alley, and then I read Black, and I was like, who? And they were, like, kissing and doing other things, and, like, being all up on each other, he basically. He looked to his left, and there was an abortion. <laughs> Sorry. You never fucking know. In this city. And then at 12 a.m., um, a man named Matthew Packer... Claims to have sold Liz, um, and a strange man, like an unknown man, grapes. Apparently that's what you do at midnight. Okay. Um. <laughs> right then. I don't know why. And then we get. You know t- I really want right now. Jasmine, what? you want to know? Some grapes. Let's go find some back. Allie asked me to sell us. Honestly, though, grapes sounds silly good. Honestly, I can't eat grapes anymore because I found moldy grapes in my fridge one time. And I really don't really care for them anymore. And then we get to about 1235 where police constable William Smith ends up seeing Liz with a young man. um, Also on the same street as some of the previous men. uh, On Burner Street. where she, She seemed to have spent about a good hour or so there. Um, and again, this man was described as having a darker black kind of coat and, like, a hat that was pretty noticeable. Like,
1: he was definitely fucking wearing a
0: hat. Um. And he was carrying, like, a package, so that might have been the grapes. Hmm. You never know. Or his murder kit. You never fucking know, right? Um, and then we get to where, um, this is our, like, key witness here, um, Israel Schwartz. And it, he was no, seen to have seen him about half an hour before her body was found. hmm Um, again, he goes to Burner Street about 1245 and notices, notices them and notices a man stop to talk to her. And she was in the gateway of Dewfield Yard, which coincidentally ends up being where she's found
1: wow
0: yeah um and it's highly likely that he saw the man that did kill her before she died and didn't know what was going to happen um and it is quoted this is a whole ass quote israel schwartz of 22 helen street Back Church Lane stated that at this hour, turning into Burner Street from Commercial Road and having gotten as far as the gateway where the murder was committed, he saw a man stop and speak to a woman. He was standing in the gateway. He tried to pull the woman into the street, but he turned her around and threw her down on the footway, uh, and the woman screamed three times, but not very loudly. On crossing the opposite side of the street, he saw a second man lighting his pipe. The man who threw the woman down called out, apparently from the man to the opposite side of the road, Lipsky, I don't know what the fuck that means. And then Schwartz walked away. But finding that he was followed by the second man, he ran as far as the railway arch. But the man didn't follow so far. Schwartz cannot say whether the two men were together or known to each other. Upon being taken to the mortuary, Schwartz identified the body as that as the woman he'd seen. So it looks like these two men could have been involved together. You never know. We, we don't really, we don't know. We don't know. Um, and then there were depositions later on from Schwartz or like about Schwartz stating like, I love all the quotes that I have here. It's so great. (laughs) (laughs) It will be observed that allowing for differences of opinion between PC Smith and Schwartz as to the apparent age and height of the man each saw with the woman whose body they both identified There are serious differences in the description of the dress. So at least it is rendered doubtful that they are describing the same man. If Schwartz is to be believed, and the police report of his statement casts no doubt upon it, it follows that if they are describing different men that the man Schwartz saw is the more probable of the two to be the murderer. Um, And so we've heard all these descriptions of like later 20s being over 5 feet tall, like decently over five feet tall black coat uh curly hair gray eyes um schwartz describes him as about 30 years old about five five with very like nice complexion so like better off because it, it was described as fresh okay so like he's fed well he gets sleep <laughs> sometimes at least um and then with dark hair and a small brown mustache and he's end up dressing in an overcoat and an old black felt hat with a wide brim. Which also is a lot of what you see of the mock-up of what Jack the Ripper looks like. Which is also the idea. This is, I would assume, I don't fully know, but I am assuming that this is where the idea that it's H.H. Holmes comes in. Because that's a pretty good fucking description of H.H. Holmes. Except Holmes is taller. That's the... Big difference there. Um, I don't know what my fucking computer just did.
1: Uh, we there, we're there, we're
0: there. And we'll get into a lot of these suspects and everything and all, all this stuff going on with who they're seeing and what's going on once we get to um, once we get to the suspects. Our th- episode three. Then we get to 1am where a Louis Louis Dameschutz, uh, jewelry salesman, ends up going into the Dutfields yard um, and he's on his way through doing whatever the fuck he needs to and as soon as he gets in there, um, his horse was like, what the fuck's going on and he didn't really want to keep going and that's when uh, Dameschutz noticed that there was a body. Like, he, it was dark, so he was, like, throwing his whip around and found a body. All right, then. Which he thought, as same with Polly, that was either drunk or asleep at first. Um, And it's thought, like, in the investigation, it's kind of believed that him coming is what kind of shooed the killer away. Because the last time she was seen alive was 1245, this guy's coming up at one o'clock that's 15 minutes 15 fucking yeah 15 minutes um and then so once he goes and looks at the body he's like really off put by the odd behavior of his horse and he goes and touches the body and it's still warm no shit yeah no shit just fucking happened and he doesn't really see what's going on, so he gets someone to come over, and it ends up being Doctor Frederick Blackwell. Uh, and he gets there at one sixteen, where he pronounces Elizabeth Stride dead. Wow, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this is in front of the International Workers Educational Club, where um, a bunch of shit happened there. It, it wasn't. It was a club, like like a not like a club club, like a dance club, like a gentlemen bunch of shit well but it was for women though so like getting shit done trades different things like that um and i actually have like an itemized list of things that was found with her she had a long black jacket that was fur trimmed um and had a red rose and white maiden hair fern pinned to it and she wasn't wearing those flowers when she left the house so i'm guessing someone gave them to her she had a black skirt, a black bonnet, a neck scarf that was knotted on the left side, had a dark brown bodice, two light petticoats, one chemise, white stockings, spring-sided boots, two handkerchiefs, um, one, which is larger, ended up having fruit stains on it, probably from the grapes, honestly. Honestly. A yeah. thimble and a piece of wool that was wrapped around a card. No idea why. Uh, And then she had a pocket in her underskirt that had a key, um, like, for a padlock. A small piece of lead pencil. Six, that's fit. So great, so lovely. (laughs) Six large and one small button. A comb, a broken piece of comb. I don't know why she had a broken piece and a normal comb. A metal spoon, a hook, like a hook for um, like dresses and sewing. A piece of muslin and a couple, one, maybe two pieces of small paper. After her death, um, it is quoted that her body was lying on the near side. So like close to wherever they came in. With the face turned toward the wall, the head up the yard and the feet towards the street. The left arm was extended, and there was a packet of chachouse, chachouse, I don't fucking know, in the left hand. Chartreuse? Not chartreuse. (laughs) I know that. I know that's not the word. The right arm was over the belly. The back of the hand and wrist had it, uh, on it had clotted blood. The legs were drawn up with the feet close to the wall. The body and face were warm and the hand cold. The legs were quite warm. Deceased had a silk handkerchief round her neck, and it appeared to be slightly torn, I have since ascertained it was cut. This corresponded with the right angle of the jaw. The throat was deeply gashed, and there was an abrasion of the skin about one and a half inches in diameter, apparently apparently stained with blood under her right arm. At 3 o'clock p.m. on Monday at St. George's Mortuary, Dr. Black... We are still in this quote. Where does this quote end? Oh, it's a huge quote. Whoa. Whoa. That's fine. I didn't realize how big this quote was. Um, Dr. Blackwell and I had a post-mortem examination. Rigor mortis was still thoroughly marked. There was mud on the left side of the face, and it was matted in the head. The body was fairly nourished over both shoulders, especially the right and under the collarbone, and in front of the chest, there was a bluish discoloration, which I have watched and have seen on two occasions since. There was a clear-cut incision on the neck. It was six inches in length and commenced two and a half inches in a straight in a straight line below the angle of the jaw, one half inch and over an undivided muscle, and then becoming deeper, dividing the sheath. Why well, I don't want to know what the fuck that means. <laughs> the cut was very clean and deviated a little downwards. The arteries and other vessels contained in the sheath were all cut through. The cut through the tissues on the right side was more superficial and tailed off to about two inches below the right angle of the jaw. The deep vessels on the side were uninjured. From this, it was evident that the hemorrhage was caused through the partial severance of the left carotid artery. Decomposition had commenced in the skin. Dark brown spots were on the anterior surface of the left chin. There was a deformality in the bones of the right leg, which was not straight, but bowed forwards. So I'm going to guess she had a deformality where her leg was bowed, but forward. Usually they're bowed outwards. The candle's making the fucking window look weird. Uh, There was no recent external injury other than the neck. So, I'm not going to finish this quote. Um, Because it also talks about what was in her stomach. And all that other stuff. We don't need to talk about that. Um, And she ended up buried on Saturday, October 6th of 1888. Um... I think it's funny that everyone that's finding these bodies aren't noticing that their neck is slashed. Yeah. Like, how do you not notice that they have a giant 6 like, neck-wide gash? Because the guy, the guy that found Liz was like, oh, she looked like she was asleep. I can tell you right now, no one thought my victim was sleeping. Seriously? Is that going to be the only fucking one? No one thought she was sleeping. But I'll explain that. They knew- Well, fuck, the they, first they one, they didn't notice she was disemboweled. I'm pretty sure the escalation with this last one is going to shock you. That probably is. It really is. I don't know if we mentioned it, but Jamie did the last victim. I did the four. <laughs> so I don't know anything about the last victim. And then we get to number four. That was all I got for Kate. Um, Or, not Kate. This one's Kate. Sorry. All I have for Liz. Uh, Long she, Liz. The, I'm
1: Long guessing Liz she was really cool. tall.
0: She wasn't. She was 5'5". Why'd they call her Long Liz? I think it was because of how she was stretched out uh, when they found her. That's fucked. Or Long Liz, like, maybe because of her sex work. Oh. Awesome. you go Liz sorry yeah shit well she got a bunch of shit like you saw like she left the hat left the lodging house and had a bunch of shit on her that she didn't have before she had flowers she had she had eaten like someone fed her she got a bunch of shit going on she still left with the hat was found with the same amount of money she left with so go bitch go bitch all right I guess all right now we get to number four we have we do have a history for her. Great. A little bit. No, a little bit. Catherine Eddowes, also known as Kate Kelly. I have no idea why she's known as Kate Kelly. Um, you guys will probably find out later. <laughs> she's born April 14th, 1842 in Wolverhampton. Um, she, uh, as an adult, was five foot tall with hazel eyes and dark auburn hair. And she actually has a tattoo in the 1880s it's very simple and it's probably like an identification thing um for whatever she was doing with her life um called like it was just blue ink and it said tc um and she was uh through her life especially near the end she had bright's disease which is called which is a form of uremia don't necessarily know what that was sure um up. You can, if you find it. Uh, she was born to a... What is uremia? Basically, her kidneys weren't eliminating the bad stuff in her blood. Okay. So, it's like... That a makes high sense level level of like That uremia. bad stuff in the blood. That her kidneys... Her kidneys aren't doing enough. So, basically, her kidneys were failing. And it caused this disease. Yeah. Okay. That nah, I get that. Um, so, she was born to... A, George Eddowes, and her mother's name was Catherine. Um, her dad was a tin plate worker. Uh, she ended up having, she had two sisters, Elizabeth Fisher and Eliza Gold. What is it with E names in the 1880s? Eliza, Catherine, Elizabeth. There's multiple Elizabeths. This is the sister Elizabeth to Catherine, then there's all the Marys. I was say Catherine is re- very, Catherine, Mary, and Elizabeth, very, very common. Yeah, and John, and John. <laughs> uh, and then she also had an, an uncle named William Edos. William's a big one too. My brother's middle name is William. I have a cousin that's named William. Everyone calls him Billy. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, there is a newspaper report that gives like a little brief summary on her history, which it doesn't look like we have a whole lot of, um, that states, her father and his brother William left their jobs as tin plate workers in Wolverhampton during the Tinman Strike in about 1848. They and their families walked to London. Walked. Fucking walking. No, oh, thank you. I don't even want to know how far that was. I wouldn't even walk to work. <sighs> no. Me. No had like three hours before fuck that no nope. in london they eventually found employment george and his family stayed while william took his family back to wolverhampton and resumed work at old hall works in the early 1860s catherine returned to wolverhampton to visit her family her relatives were called to visit and described her as as very good looking and jolly sort of girl so everyone like kind of had just good ideas about her she was a great girl okay. great lady um, she was educated at um a school in Pottersfield um until her mother died in about eighteen fifty five. Um, and that's when majority of her and her siblings entered a workhouse in industrial school, which I'm guessing is because his, their dad didn't want to take care of them. I think George didn't really want to do anything. Yeah, sounds about right for men at the time. um yeah. Um, Her mom died in 1851, uh, and George followed pretty soon after her dad. Uh, And then this is where Catherine ended up moving back to Wolverhampton to take care of her aunt. Um, And then at the age of 21, she's still living with her aunt, and she ends up meeting a Thomas Conway who's a pensioner from the 18th Royal Irish. Um, he ended up getting pension under the name of Thomas Quinn. They ended up going to Birmingham, uh, and many other places selling books and, um, books written by Thomas. Okay. And throughout her travel, she ends up having a child. Um, and later on, I'm gonna guess this ended up abusive because she runs away from Thomas um, to her aunt. Yeah. Uh, I know. Because I would assume domestic abuse and violence. Oh, yeah, Thomas ended up splitting from Kate in 1881. Uh, and Kate took uh, Annie and the little Conway boy, the one that's not named. I would guess maybe he was named Thomas. I'm going to call him Thomas. Little Thomas. Um, and then 1881 is when she moved to his lodging house uh, where she would go around markets um, and was employed semi regularly ish by a fruit salesman named Lander. Um, and this is where uh, Catherine's daughter in 1881 finally marries a man named Lewis Phillips. Uh, and they start moving around to avoid their mom, her mom, because Catherine would scrounge off of her children to get things out of them, and they're married people. Which Catherine, mommer's daughter? The mom is dead at this point. I this missed that. This is Catherine, Catherine, Catherine. I our Catherine. I was paying attention to Boom Boom. That's perfectly fine. I'm so happy right now. Catherine Sr. died in 1885. Okay. Uh, right. 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 I don't know. 1855. Sorry. <laughs> Had to cross-check. 1855, not 85. I'm like, we're not at 85 yet. Um, <laughs> what? I'm just happy. <laughs> I can see that. I never get to snuggle with Boom Boom. It's because there's always a dog. There's no doggos in here right now. So you gotta cuddle all the fuck you want. Until he decides to take a flying leap off your he's head. he's just gonna take a nap. He's having a good time. He's just chilling. Me and him he's... never get to hang out No. I don't even get to hang out with him that much. It just, he just, it doesn't happen a whole lot. I do, I do a lot when I'm, like, cleaning his enclosure and, like, giving him soaks and feeding him and shit, but otherwise it's not a whole lot. Um. He's just a yeah. sweet <laughs> Now this is probably, I don't know about mary jane but Catherine's one of the women that didn't drink a whole lot like she wasn't a drunk sorry um my sister's like guess who gets baby time i'll be like guess who gets bearded time <laughs> Guess who gets the hell the dragon um and people that seen her saw her at the lodging house said she's not really a walking the streets kind of woman aka she didn't really do sex work um, she did what she, she had did. to do at the time when well, she had to that's do That's the thing. I don't think she did it like at all. That's uncommon for his. Yeah. Victims. Yeah. Like she. Like no one. Everyone's like, we didn't really see her out and about, like walking around looking for men. Um, and sometimes she drank, like a lot to get drunk. But like that's common. For but not often. It wasn't okay. like a. She wasn't like an alcohol. She just did it sometimes because like why not, right? Hmm. Um, but this is, like, everyone's putting it into perspective. She was not a drunk. She didn't drink all the time. <laughs> Don't bite <buy> me. <my> <laughs> He's just licking it. He's looking for food. <laughs> Your finger looks like food. Don't do it. He got fed yesterday. Like yesterday. yesterday. Or Friday. It's like, yesterday, is Not today. Yeah. Um, don't you dare fucking parkour off of me and here she has a much smaller history because this is when we get to kind of the timeline she's been living at a lodging house she doesn't have a husband (laughs) she never had a husband ever she had a partner where she had kids with but no husband um then we get to uh 8 a.m on september 29th um which is a saturday Uh, Where she ends up going to the lodging house, seeing her friend who is named Kelly. um, Where they talked a little bit, but like, just like, friendly chatter. Um, And this is where Kelly ended up deciding to give her a pair of boots that he had. um, And she took them and decided to, I don't know what the fuck, and she ended up getting some money for the boots. She like, pawned them off. Okay. Uh, To buy food, tea, sugar, like, just the shit that she needs. Basic needs. Yeah. And between about 11, like, 10, 11 a.m., she was seen eating breakfast in the kitchen of the house. Um. And by about afternoon, she had no fucking money. So she was going to try to go see her daughter, see if she could get some money, which, at the time, her daughter, as I said earlier, was moving around to avoid her mom. Because oh. she was always asking for money and trying to get shit out of her, and just because she didn't have anything, she had no like means of life. She never got married, so she had nothing. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah. Um. So without money, and then Kelly, who was seen as like a domestic partner partner kind of situation, like he wasn't just a roommate. He was more like. We were doing shit on the side, and she never fucked around with other men kind of thing. Like, it was just kind of us, never married. Just, like, in a relationship. Um, said she had left at about 2 um, p.m. and said she'd be back, like, no later than 4. Um, And Kelly is quoted as saying, like, during the inquest, uh, that I never knew if she went to her daughter's at all. I only wish she had, for we had lived together for some time and never had a quarrel. Um, which had not seen, like, Kate, Catherine never saw her daughter that day. She didn't get there. No parkour. Uh, <laughs> then we get to 8 p.m. where City <laughs> Police Constable <laughs> Louis Robinson sees Eddowes surrounded by a crowd on High Street. She is quite obviously drunk. Sorry, he's so distracting. I should probably promised him they taking him off. But That's I love okay. him. Okay. We, we are having boomy commentary and intermission because Jamie brought him out to say hello to everyone. I never get to see him. That's perfectly fine. I'm so happy right now. I love you, Boom Boom. He's so great. You're my he best He really fella. fucking is. He's so sweet. I know. I thought he'd be an, a psycho when I brought him out. No, he just cuddled me for like sometimes he's a psycho if he has like a plate of food out he wants to get to it like if he sees it somewhere and smells can I come it back with me I want to get to it but otherwise he's fine can I oh no okay I'll leave you there <laughs> and then um at 8:45 pm about 45 minutes later a sergeant a police sergeant named James Byfield note, noted that uh, Catherine had come to the station. Being brought by two other police constables, um, and she a- she was asked her name and replied, "Nothing." <laughs> sorry, if I move here in a fucking parkour, and I know it. <laughs> um, and at about eight fifty, she was put into her own cell and was asleep, and she like was quite obviously drunk. Uh, at about 10 p.m. is when a police constable, Edward Watkins, did his first full round of, like, checking in on everyone. Like, just the rounds at the, whatever, the station. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, no. His round through, like, the city. I'm not gonna talk about all the places he went, because, oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um. And then at about 12.15... People said that Kate was singing to herself. And at twelve thirty she had asked when she's gonna be released. Um and she was responded with when you're capable of taking care of yourself. And she she was like, I can do that now. <laughs> and at about 1255, another forty minutes later. Um, Sergeant Byfield asked if to see if any prisoners were fit to be released, and Kate was seen as sober and ready to go. Oh. She gave her name as Mary Ann Kelly. That's like Which I find last... is about the first victim's name. My last victim is Mary Jane Kelly. My first name my first victim is named Mary. I just her nickname was Polly. No, my last victim is ma- named Mary Jane Kelly. That's sus. and this is Mary Ann Nichols is my fur is the first victim. That's different. That's like a mix of the two names. That's really fucking weird. <laughs> what are you doing, mister? <laughs> um He's just laying half on my hand, half on my notebook. Well he's comfy, I guess. He just wants to be out. He just wants to hang out. Um, that she is great. <laughs> she ends up leaving the station at one a.m. Um. She ended up it what from what they saw it looked like she went the opposite way, of the quick like the easy way to get back to where she was supposed to the lodging house. Um, mm-hmm. she was going back towards High Street where she first got drunk or was found drunk. Um. And. We get to about one thirty five, so this is only half an hour after she left. Okay? Only half an hour. Uh we okay. get to a mister Joseph Lowend uh who is a commercial traveller in the cigarette trade. Um and also a Joseph another fucking Joseph. Joseph Hyam Levy, who's a butcher. I'm about to get to a Joseph too. And also Harry Harris, who's a furniture dealer. Um, and then when they're at the corner of Duke Street and Church Passage, they see Eddowes with a man. Uh, she is facing the man with her hand on her chest, uh, but not like on his chest, but not in a way like in more, not a bad way, like a friendly way. Friendly, maybe not, maybe more than friendly kind of way. Got not it. really sure. Um, and the man looks to be about thirty, about five foot five, five foot seven, with a fair complexion and a mustache. Wow! Again the mustache. Yeah, and he has a salt and pepper kind of jacket, so darker. Dark jacket. Um, loosely fitting. hmm Um, and a gray cloth cap. A hat. He has a hat. Yeah, a hat. And a handkerchief around his neck. Um, and it, it looks to be as though he may be a sailor. And then, <laughs> we completely skip to ten minutes later. One forty-five a.m. p.m. a.m. It's a.m. a.m. I think. Yes, it is a.m. It says p.m. here. It's a.m. Uh, Police constable Edward Watkins, who I'm pretty sure saw her earlier, discovers Kate's body in the square, out where she got drunk. Surprise! Oh yeah, so surprising. Um, and then we have a London police surgeon named Dr. Frederick Gordon Brown. I want to say Gordon Ramsay. Gets there at about 2 o'clock, and we have a quote of what he found. Um, the body was on its back, the head turned to left shoulder, the arms by the side of the body as if they had fallen there, both palms upward, the fingers, the fingers slightly bent, the left leg extended in a line with the body. The abdomen was exposed, right leg bent at the thigh and knee, the throat cut across. The intestines were drawn out to a large extent and placed over the right shoulder. They were smeared over with some feculent matter, so like feces from her intestines. That's gross. Yeah, yeah. A piece of about two feet was quite detached from the body and placed between the body and the left arm, apparently by design. That sounds disgusting. You, <laughs> the lobe and oracle of the right ear were cut through. Were cut obliquely through. There was a quali- quantity of clotted blood on the pavement on the left side of the neck, round the shoulder and upper part of the arm, and fluid blood-colored serum, which had flowed under the neck to the right shoulder, and pavement. W- the pavement was sloping in that direction too, so it's like dripping down the pavement. Okay, like it was on a slant. Um body was quite warm, no death stiffening had taken place. She must have been dead most likely within the half hour. It had just fucking happened. Just right. so How are all of these bodies found within like an hour of being killed? And no one knows who the fuck it is. How? I don't get it. I really don't. Several buttons were found in the clotted blood after the body was removed um and there was no blood below the middle of the body there was no blood on the front of the clothes and no traces of recent connection i don't know what the fuck that means but it's in the quote mm-hmm. when the body arrived at golden lane some of the blood was dispersed through the removal of the body um and the clothes were taken off very carefully a piece of the deceased ear dropped from their clothing yeah. when they took it off yeah I made a post-mortem examination at half past two on Sunday afternoon, so we actually got an examination, like a true examination. Body wow. was not fucking washed. Elizabeth's body wasn't washed either. Rigor, I couldn't find if mine was or not. I would assume not then, if they then just go straight into the examination. It literally just says how she was found, and that's the cutoff of where what I found. Oh, wow. Hmm. Thank we'll get into all the- all the- Uh, suspects and stuff later on too so we might be able to get more of a timeline and stuff Mm -hmm. as well um rigor mortis was well marked body not quite cold green discoloration over the abdomen after washing the left hand carefully a bruise the size of a sixpence, recent and red was discovered on the back of the left hand between the thumb and first finger a few small bruises on the right shin of older date the hands and arms were bronzed no bruises on the scalp the back of the body or the elbows The face was very much mutilated. There was a cut about of a quarter of an inch through the lower left eyelid. Uh, (laughs) That's not in the quote. (laughs) Dividing the structures completely through the upper eyelid on that side. There was a scratch through the skin on the upper, on the left upper eyelid near the angle of the nose. So her face was all cut up. That's really what this is. There was a cut on the bridge of her nose. Um, it's describing where all these cuts are and how they look on the tip of the nose was completely detached almost like almost completely detached. Um, with where like the base of the nose like attached to the face. Um, a cut on her upper lip. There's just cuts everywhere like this fucker hacked at her. Um, that really is it and the cut was about six, seven inches across about the length of her neck. There's just cuts fucking everywhere and there's a cut in her artery. There's cuts. It's said that the cause of death was a hemorrhage from the cut on her artery on her left artery from him, the man cutting her neck. Um and then we get to the abdomen where uh the front walls of her abdomen were completely open from the breastbone all the way down to her pubic bone. Oh, that's lovely. Um the, this is also quoted, the cut commenced opposite the ensiform cartilage. The incision went upwards, not penetrating the skin that was over the sternum, and then divided the ensiform cartilage. The knife must have cut obliquely at the extents of that cartilage. Behind this, the liver was stabbed as if by the point of a sharp instrument. Below this, another incision to the liver about two and a half inches And below this, the left lobe of the liver was slit through by a vertical cut. Two cuts were shown by a jagging of the skin on the left side. The abdominal... There's so much quote on this. (laughs) So, this woman, Catherine, Kate, had cuts fucking everywhere. All over her face. Her whole abdomen was cut open. There were cuts all over everything. Kind of like she got stabbed over and over and over again, honestly. There was a cut on her thigh. Um... That, um, like, it was like a flap of skin on her thigh was pulled to the side and cut open. She was just completely fucking mutilated. This is actually, honestly, probably the worst, one of the worst ones. I don't, I don't know about Mary. This is pretty shit. Um, it's really not great. Mary doesn't get much better. I didn't think so, but this is, like, everything's fucked. Absolutely everything. I don't want him to get too cold. Should I put him back? He's on your body. He's, he's good okay. for um, And then here we are at about the end of the quote. The throat had been so in, instantly severed that no noise could have been emitted. I should not expect much blood to have been found on the person who had inflicted these wounds. Um, and the wounds couldn't have been self-inflicted, which I don't know why anyone wouldn't think they were. Um, her entire abdomen's cut open from sternum to pubic bone. Just... <laughs> and her thigh's sliced open. Her is stabbed, like, seven times. Her kidneys are stabbed. Everything's stabbed. Her intestine has a foot sex two foot section cut out. Like, yeah, someone can do that to themselves. Totally. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I would absolutely just stab my liver and just rip out my colon. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. So, she ended up having her funeral and was buried Monday 8th. Um, Monday the 8th of October in 1888. Uh, and she was buried in an unmarked grave. That's kind of, that's kind of all I have. Um, she was 43 when she died. And her official death date is September 30th of 1888. Oh, great. Right. That is all I have on my peeps. Now we have jamie with her victims we have my victim victim, victim, victim. sorry not Jimmy. victims i have some of your scales on my notebook <laughs> look at, no look uh-huh he sheds for in real yeah he sheds in different spots it's that's shell. interesting that's kind of cool um i actually have a piece of i have his ear his little ear pad you to with your mom? um so my victim was mary jane kelly um Not a lot was known about her, except from what she told friends at the time when she was in London during her sex work days. Okay. So we don't really know childhood. We don't know much. I know we have a little bit. So she was born in 18... She was born in 1863 in Limerick, Limerick, Ireland, and she moved to Wales in her early childhood. Her father was John Kelly, who worked in an ironworks... Um, in 1979, she married a man named Davies, who was a collier. Um, throughout 1881 and 1882, her husband was killed in a pit explosion. Oh. And she went to live with a cousin in Cardiff, Cause where... Because women can't live by themselves without Oh, husband. no, no, no. She went to live with her cousin, where she became a sex worker, um, probably from the lack of work. hmm For women. Um, in 1884, she moved to the east end of London. Um, so that's basically all we know about until her life, until she moved to that's London. really it? That's really it. That's all I could find. Probably because transfer of documents and stuff like that is so hard. Yeah, I really tried, but that's the most I could find. Um, 1886, two years before her death, she began living in a common lodging house in Throl, on Thrall Street in Spitalfields. Um, and then in April 8th, 1887, she met Joseph Barnett. Um, they lived in various addresses. I Um, had a Barnett. Yeah. I had a sergeant or constable Barnett. Yeah, this is Joseph Barnett. Um. right. They lived together for a while, um, around Spitalfields. And in... We're getting real... This is going to go real fast, because there's not a lot of background. But um, September 1888, they rented a room. Yeah, we're already there. Yeah, we're already there. Like I said, there's not much about the history with her. and. Uh, but Joseph does um, become, like, a big part of her life later. Like, okay. um, her and Joseph began living together um, in a room from John McCarthy. And he had this like it was like a kind of like a lodging house, like a lodging house, but like I feel like it was more like a motel, like an apartment complex almost. I don't know. Well, that's kind of how all of them were. Like, so there were apartment complexes, but then there were also like motel kind of thing was where you pay per night. It was like a lodging house. It was like a room. They paid rent. Okay, so it was like weekly then, if they paid rent. It wasn't specific. See that's because a lodging house is daily. It uh, was so vague. I tried. It's hard, though, especially just past history time. Yeah. So they rented a room from John McCarthy. And within them renting that room, uh, it was, like, th- September through October. Um, and October is when Barnett left Kelly. Um, but within that, they got in this big fight um, where a window was broken in the lodging. And this comes into play later. Like, this is important later on. hmm So, are you recording me? No. i hate taking pictures of you with me. Um, I've already taken, like, 15. So, (laughs) they get into this fight, um, and a window ends up getting broken, which is important later on. um, Okay. And you'll understand why, when we get to her death. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we're already in the year she dies. Two months before, a month and a half before, yeah. Yeah, she dies in November. Yeah, I was going to say, we're really close. Um... A window gets broken in their room, um, and they get they cover it with old rags and an old coat. Okay, because um, there's no other way to fix there's it. There's no other way. To to get to, that? There's no really way to fix it. They can't really afford it. It's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in October 1888, Barnett. <laughs> real Lee, quick, real quick. He got mad. He moved and shoved his head underneath your like little, like to get further in there and get comfy. I'm, sorry, I'm trying to read, man. Um. So, yeah, in October 1888, Barnett left Kelly, um, and later on he gave the reason that it was because she returned to prostitution. Um. Okay. So, throughout, like, them living together and that, he was, like, he was on and off with jobs a lot of the time, so he wasn't really carrying his own weight. So, Kelly- Also, at that time, carrying her weight, because what work does she truly have? That's what she had. She was a big drinker. Um, she she did that to make ends meet, so that they yeah. both could live, eat, and sleep. Um, so he he got angry, left because she went back to prostitution. Because God knows he was unemployed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in on the seventh of November, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to hit it with him on me. But on November seventh, eighteen eighty eight. It is said that she purchased a candle at John McCarthy's shop. So John McCarthy owns like that lodging house apartment thing, mm-hmm. and then he also owns a shop. And then she was Which later is really common. The, the shop was honestly he probably did. right under the housing. Exact. Well, actually, I'm assuming the housing was on a main floor. Or oh. there was it was a second floor where there was windows to the outside. That's what there. I would think. Yeah, and they, it doesn't specify though. A lot of housings also had like little like stairways. All I know is too. that oh. they were able to see into the window on the day. Oh okay. Uh, the broken window. That's all I'm gonna say for now. Because <laughs> um, it's a huge thing. I've got a whole quote. I've got a whole thing with. Um, So, she purchased the candle from McCarthy at his shop, and then later she was seen with a smartly dressed man around the age of 28. 28 and 30, ma'am. By McCarthy's assistant. I think his name was Thomas, but I will know in a little bit. It's in my notes written later because he is the one who discovers her at first. Um, And Thomas and a couple of mine, too. Yeah. And then the next day, the 8th of November... Um, in 1888, she spent the afternoon with one of her friends, Maria Harvey, and then she spent the early evening with Lizzie Albrook. Okay. Uh, later that day, uh, between 7.30 and 8 p.m., uh, Joseph Barnett visited her, her again. Um, and this was, like, the first time he was seeing her for a couple months. Um, it was said to be a friendly visit. Um, I think Lizzie or Maria, one of her friends, was there, and left right away um, when Joseph arrived because she knew. Like, she not want to be here. Yeah, but it was said to be a friendly visit. Okay. Um, at 11.45 p.m., a neighbor of Mary, or a neighbor named Mary Ann Cox, saw Mary Kelly returning home with a stout, shabby, blotchy-faced man in his 30s. Ew. A ginger mustache. Mm-hmm. And a billy cock hat. I think I've heard that billy cock hat before. I don't remember saying it. I don't know. But um, Kelly was drunk and she told Cox that she was going to sing. The neighbor. She told the neighbor that she just felt like singing. Are you sure? Was she going into her place with this guy? That's what I... I'm wondering if the singing is like she's going to have a good time. I, that's what the that's what the neighbor claims that she was she was found coming home with this man. And Either she, she was in a good mood and wanted to sing, or she was gonna have a real good time, and that's where her singing's coming from. Um, I think it was actual singing because okay. around um twelve to one a.m. on the 9th of October, eighteen eighty-eight, same day, just um twelve to one a.m. The neighbors heard. Kelly singing only a violet I plucked from my mother's grave oh that is the name of the song I've never heard it I've never heard it but um I also don't feel like looking it up right now so me neither <laughs> so 2 a.m. um George Hutchinson I don't know who that is is a man uh, met her on commercial streets and she asked him for some money she was like yo can I have, like, six... I'm poor. Can I have some, like, six pence for a drink? And he was like, nah, I'm spent out. Okay. Um, so, instead of haggling him and messing with him, trying to convince him, she mm-hmm. continued down the street near the junction of Commercial Street and, uh, Thrall Street, and she was seen talking to a man. This was by Hutchinson. Hutching...
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hutchinson claims she saw Kelly talking with a man... Um, and the, her and the man backtracked along Commercial Street, and he followed them. Um. Ooh, just okay. because the murders were a thing at the time, he just. So paying attention, watch out for, watch out for the girl that he doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, I don't know who Hutchinson is to her. I couldn't find it. There's a little known about this victim that that's, I can find. That's totally fine. It also could have just been, like, a policeman. Yeah. A constable or something. Just a bystander specific. that just knows what's going on. Yeah. He's watching out. So he followed them, probably concerned for Kelly, probably knows Kelly in some sort of way. Obviously, she was asking him for money for a drink. Maybe he was a a customer, maybe he was a client of hers, or a friend, who knows? Yeah. Um, but Kelly, it was said that Mary Kelly led this man into Miller's court, um, and he saw them walk in and not emerge. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um...
0: He waited for about 45 minutes, and neither of them came back, so he left.
1: Hmm.
0: Shit. Well, he stood around for a while. He didn't want it. he didn't think he needed to investigate. He, I guess so. Um, and then we hit about 4 a.m. This is about two hours after her encounter with George. Um, neighbors heard a faint cry of murder. <laughs> From the direction of Mary's room. Now, at the time, this was very common. People d- didn't want to get involved. Didn't want to... A bystander effect? The bystander effect. Completely, 100%. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. He didn't even open his eyes. Um, they didn't want to get involved. People crying murder. People crying rape. People crying uh, help. Mm-hmm. That was just a thing. People didn't... Care to pay attention to. Well, it's also, again, we were talking about abortions in the street, sex in the street, everything was happening in the street, like... Right. You hear it all the time. Who cares? Unless it's a fire, we don't want to hear... We don't want to... <laughs> we don't... Yeah. We want to watch fire the whole world or like, burn, but we don't want to see it, like, when it comes to people. Yeah, we don't want to see anything else. Just, just, just fires. Um, so the same day, November 9th, 1888, at 10 to 12 or 10 to ooh, 8 to 10 a.m <laughs> several people claimed to see mary kelly and the surrounding streets of her of her house okay. of her place that she was renting from john mccarthy um at ten forty-five, mccarthy sent his assistant thomas bauer um to collect mary's overdue rent
1: mm-hmm.
0: um he no, he knocked on the door Um, and had got no reply. Um, so, Thomas went to the broken window. To get in? To, because he knew she was there. He, he knew she was there. Okay, maybe she's passed out. But that she was either passed out or ignoring him because she was not able to pay the rent and Mm -hmm. was trying to avoid him. So, he went to the window and pulled back the old coat that was covering it. And saw her body laying facing him on the bed oh oh so thomas freaked the fuck out and yeah he went to mccarthy in the shop to tell him what was happening he said Mm -hmm. this lady she's dead she's staring at me like she's right there well and wait till you hear the description of what he basically saw oh yeah so mccarthy was like bullshit he was like you're fucking with me you yeah, got. what else would you think? Because most of these women have been found in the streets in public, oh, yeah, not, not in, in their, their bedroom. own room that they're renting. Correct, right, yeah. So McCarthy was like, all right, I gotta see this shit for myself. Of course. The door was still locked, and he went to the room to look for himself. Like finding. The window. The window and he he looked through the window finding the wall behind the bed splattered with blood Oof. and on the bedside table was a pile of human flesh oh great uh oh, in the bed I heard about this one in the bed there was a body barely recognizable as human and virtually skinned down and it was Mary Jane Kelly um so McCarthy was shocked obviously he didn't believe Dude, it he called bullshit he called bullshit man and that's just my own words he was basically... He would, well, yeah, calling bullshit wasn't a thing by then. He was more... Not he's only. like, you're joking with me. He's like, she paid her rent on time for once, and you're just joking that she's dead. And, like, you're trying to pull my leg here. But, no, he saw what he saw. Or maybe she was pretending to not pay rent. You don't know. I don't know. when you. Well, obviously she wasn't, but... When you heard the description of her face... I don't think she was pretending. Well, I know she wasn't, but maybe he thought she was pretending. But, okay, so he secured his shop, he went downstairs and locked up, because God knows at the time it was important not to leave your shop and You alone. don't want to get robbed. Um, and also his assistant was the one who technically found her body first, so he had to come to the police station with him. Yes. Um, at least I hope that's what happened, otherwise maybe Thomas stayed behind and kept the shop held. Well, also if they closed up everything... I don't it's know. It's closed up. What I read was that McCarthy secured his shop and went to the nearest police station. Um, inspectors Walter Dew Oh shit. Hold on. I'm sorry. Um, I want to find the name of the doctor who this quote is from because I read it and then I forgot the name of them. I'm also going to read this quote from the inspector that I didn't write down. So McCarthy arrived at the police station where there wasn't a lot of police there um i wonder were a lot of them like on like patrol because i know that was a big thing i'm guessing a lot of them were sent out to uh patrol because of the murders happening well that was also happening not even with the murders because like at the time there were gangs it was like the east end yeah what do you expect east end So, inspectors Walter Dew and Walter Beck were there. They're both named Walter. (laughs) Of course they're both Walter. Um, they were inside, just dicking around, as, that's what I imagine, anyways. I just imagine them eating their donuts, or whatever. Yeah. Damn, (laughs) boom. They just fucking ran into the wall. (laughs) Um, (sighs) inspectors (laughs) Walter Dew and Beck, they were chatting, um, and Dew recalled in his memoirs, a quote, Um, the poor fellow was so frightened that for a time he was unable to utter a single intelligible word. At last he managed to stammer out something about another one, Jack the Ripper, awful, Jack McCarthy sent me. Jack McCarthy sent me? Maybe it was Jack. McCarthy. Oh, sorry, I messed up. McCarthy sent Bauer to the police station to fetch the police. So, okay. he did send his assistant while McCarthy kept the shop. Okay. So, I read that wrong. That was completely my bad. Okay. Um, but yeah, basically, Bowers were so freaked the fuck out, he was like, Jack the Ripper. Awful. McCarthy sent This sentence. is it. I can't get words out. No full sentences. It says Jack McCarthy, but it says John McCarthy in other parts. So, I don't know. It's either John McCarthy or- we'll just say McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. Not. McCarthy. So, they were following Bowers back to Mary's room. Um, and when they arrived, they, the door wouldn't open. It was locked. So, Inspector Beck, not Walter Dew, Walter Beck, um, he moved to the window and looked into the room, um, and instantly, like, fell backwards and oh, was like, handle for what he God's saw. sakes, don't look. However, Dew, being Deal. Walter Dew, <laughs> Didn't listen. Do and doo, do and the doo. Doo-doo. He, uh, Scooby-Dooby-Doo. <laughs> he looked through and, um, saw something that Will forever live in his mind that it says he remembers 50 years later. Oh, shit. In the memoirs of all this, it is said that Do remembers the sight 50 years Which, later. Which, honestly, it's her not to. As I'm sure we'll find out. Um... Oh. Dew says the poor woman's eyes—they were wide open and seemed to be staring straight at me with a look of terror—and that is the most of a quote I have from Dew. But later on, when Doctor Thomas Bond detailed her injuries in his report, so this is when her body, after, was taken to the morgue um, and inspected at the crime scene obviously yes. thank god they actually didn't he it doesn't let say, people clean it. it doesn't say when he arrived at the scene it does, i don't have any of that information i don't know why but i'm gonna read the quote from doctor um it's <laughs> with trigger warning right here right now i feel like this i've heard all of them and i still feel like this may be the worst description of one of the crime scenes hmm. um oh, yay. so doctor says the body was lying in the middle of the bed naked in the middle of the bed. The shoulders were flat, but the axis of the body inclined to the left of the bed. The head was turned on the left cheek. The left arm was closed to the body with the forearm flexed at a right angle and lying across the abdomen. The right arm was slightly abducted from the body and rested on the mattress. The elbow bent and the forearm supine, with the fingers clenched. Mm-hmm. The legs were wide apart, the left thigh at right angles to the trunk, and the right forming an obtuse angle with the pubes. They say pubes a lot. I, they I like used to, to say, say <laughs> pubic bone last time with Catherine. They, he, they said pubes. They like to say pubes. Um, the whole surface of the abdomen and thighs was removed, and the abdominal cavities emptied of its viscera. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The breasts were uh-huh. cut off. The arms mutilated by several jagged wounds and the face hacked beyond recognition of the features. The tissues of the neck were severed severed all round down to the bone. Mm. Now, the viscera, basically her contents, were found in various parts. Mm. The uterus and kidneys with one breast under the head. He did that
1: to another victim.
0: The other breast by the right foot. The liver between the feet and the intestines by the right side and the spleen by the left side of the body. The flaps removed from the abdomen and thighs were on the table which is what McCarthy saw. The bed clothing at the right corner was saturated with blood and on the floor beneath was a pool of blood covering about two feet square. The face was gashed in all directions, the nose, cheeks, eyebrows, and ears being partly removed. The lips were blanched and cut by several incisions running obliquely down the chin. And there were also numerous cuts extending irregularly across all the features. <laughs> and that is how Mary Jane Kelly was found. I was not able... Is that her yeah, that's her. I found a photo. Oh, we have to post that. I'm going to post... That I'm willing to make a post of a trigger warning and then photos of all five of the victims, uh, as they were found, uh, so if your fucked up brain wants to see it, if it really wants to see it, I will put a trigger warning on the first slide, I hope you meant for me to finish I did. that, good, because I was on the first share. slide beforehand, but we just looked up a photo of Mary Jane, I didn't think, of, oh, and also it said that, and then this is also, Mary Catherine. was relatively attractive, and like blonde hair, pale, like light hair, they didn't say blonde, mm-hmm. I assume blonde, that's Catherine, after they stitched up her face they stitched her up yeah oh for the funeral these are sketches not real those are real photos (gasps) these are all real photos my brain is i'm fucked up these are all real i'm so fucked up that photo you saw down here of of mary can i see it again i need to see it again this is a real photo this is her in her bed this is from the window she's looking at the window This is what they saw when they looked in. (laughs) Yeah, no wonder the guy fucking fell over. The blood splatters on the wall. That's what McCarthy saw. Mm -hmm. And that pile on the table. And the stuff on her right and her left side. And her thigh, that's her bone. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. It's oh my not gosh. great. I will say, um, I don't have a weak stomach, but if you guys have a weak stomach, do not look at that post. Who is that? This is that is the one Elizabeth? I need to see Catherine again. Or what that was Catherine, sorry. This is Elizabeth. This is the only photo we have of Elizabeth. These poor women. Yes, seriously this is annie chapman she's the second yes okay she was the one that was considered stout and they kind of didn't have a very great description of her i will say these women aren't the prettiest no some of them are pretty decent they're also in their late 40s that's like later on in life oh i i don't know if i mentioned this is the coffin mary was only 25 Oh shit! Mary was only. Tw- She's the youngest. Um, that was for in my other sure. notes. Of, that was in my other notes that got destroyed by my dog. Um, I'm not just saying my dog ate my homework. I'm literally serious. My dog loves to rip up paper, and she destroyed my other sheet of notes. <laughs> I didn't know that, but she does like to do that. Um, yeah. I had them ready to go, but I realized she destroyed them today. I was gonna bring them up here, oh, but Mary was so only 25 deep. when she died. Oh, and and Joseph was the one who identified her body. Oh. And he was only able to identify her by her ears and her nose. Because they weren't cut off. (laughs) Wow. Actually, her ears were mutilated. Mutilated, but not gone, like Catherine. There were pieces of them cut off. But yes, that was the only way he was really able to identify Mary. Oh, here's a drawing of how she was found. Oh, my God. The blood head against the headboard the, just, everything's a mess the pile it makes sense why like, there's not a whole lot about her life either especially if she was only 25 a lot of these women their life goes up to 25 um, they actually have a picture of her signing into the lodging house Mary and, like that this is like a line of Mary's signature Wow and her like board. That's fucking insane. This is the window. Yeah. So she was on the ground floor. Yeah. It must have been like the back, the back of the shop. The back of the shop. Uh huh. That's insane. I know, and he cut off her breasts. He did that to one others too. I just that's so (coughs) nuts to me. Like that is truly monstrous. It really is. It fucking is. And just hearing all this and not really knowing, like, I knew he was famous. And you, but you didn't know I why. I didn't know why. And it's because he was quite literally an A animal. A fucking monster. He... And we don't know who he is. We never found out. No. he's dead by now. But... I need... I need closure, man. <laughs> and I'm sure their families need closure, and God forbid. But... I don't know if Joseph was a suspect in any at we'll any point in time. We'll get to a we will get to a point where we talk about suspects. We we'll get there. There's like fifteen, but we'll get there. But I truly, I truly believe I was gonna talk about this, but Jasmine told me to save it for the podcast because this was before we started recording. I truly believe that Jack was a more um, wealthy man, educated, more educated, more wealthy um, because yep. of his clothing. I believe that... Clothing and also having, like, some of the cuts were jagged, but I feel like that is because of the women moving. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I also, After they were dead, though? I believe that he wasn't all that accepting of sex work and women at the time. Or maybe he didn't give a shit, but they were easy. Targets. I think that he... W- either had a very bad relationship with his mother, uh, which usually stems from female victims, Mm -hmm. is that child abuse... Maybe his mother was a sex worker. You never know. It's highly possible. This is all speculation. But I truly believe he was a wealthier man, and he preyed on these victims because they were easy. They were drunk. And he just had some fucked up fetish about sex workers, probably because of his mother... That's usually how serial killers work. Mhm. There are literally other serial killers that didn't didn't plan to kill a woman until he asked for things and they were like give me money for it and he's like nope, you're done. Well, it's as it. soon as they do that, it's like you're you're nothing now. You yeah. you are devaluing yourself. You're dehumanizing yourself. Yeah. When it's really him them doing it. So, I truly I truly do believe that he was a wealthier man in society at the time. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. I all. believe he would come to that side. When Even he if had it his was urgence, just a merchant, e- either way, not like full rich, but just a merchant. I th- I, th- I don't think he was poor. That's what I'm no, saying. No, absolutely. Not. I don't he think didn't live on the streets. He didn't live in lodgings. I don't house, think he was living houses. like he was living a decent. Probably had a wife and kids. Honestly, I truly do believe. Or if it. he was like a constable and just had a lot of free time on his hands or some shit, I don't know. And I believe that he got away with a lot of it because of his (laughs) higher standing in society at the time. Yeah. Um, That's just my theories at the time. And I I honestly don't know a lot more about him other than I've heard about the victims and I am creating a profile in my own brain. And over time, we'll see they created profiles too. And there's actually... Am I close? You don't even know that. There's letters. He wrote letters. He wrote fucking letters. He wrote letters. Do I get to read them? There are pictures of the letters and transcriptions of the letters. We will get there when we talk about the suspects. Alright, so next week is going to be the other possible victims, but we are going to speculate whether we think they are Jack's victims, whether they're, if they're not. Based on... Based on what we see, based Wools, on the murders themselves, yeah, pretty much. If it's it, sometimes they don't match up, so if we could see it being in the time frame, see it working or not, there's like five or six before witnesses. And after. Based on witnesses, that's the word I'm trying. <laughs> to Witness testimony, the examinations, based on all these things, we will we will decipher whether we think there's more than just the canonical five, which are like confirmed one man's. I don't believe it's just five. I don't either, and there is one before Polly that a lot of people are like, mmm, that's it. Okay. So, But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It'll be another, like, split episode where we each do about half the research, and we'll see how it goes. All right. But peace. until next time, peace out, spooky bitches. And uh, hopefully we get the next episode out on time. <laughs> yeah, we'll try our best.
1: <laughs> we'll see. Wee.